change. Keep it tuned to Sibby. You're number one. Gonna look no further. We've got it all covered. FM. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, my neighbor. Good morning to life. Good morning. Music. Talk. Inspiration. In perspective. Express yourself. Good morning, my neighbor. City FM. Your station. It's a refreshing lifestyle. City FM. 7.3 Thank you, Jesus. So sing along with us. Yeah, yeah. You can stand to your feet. Oh, God, 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 This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise.
25 minutes past 6, 97.3 CTFM. Reverend Steve is actually a bishop now. Bishop Steve Titilate of the Action Chapel International with his rendition of this powerful Pentecostal hymn. It's the mercy and the grace and the favor and the preservation of the Lord. It is by his mercy that we are not consumed. Oh yes Thank you for joining us on City My name is Bernard Avila Taking over from Nana to Four Boating And it's a great way to start your day Your relevant radio partner A partner in development A partner in education A partner in entertainment A partner in nation building Using the channel and the power of the airwaves To speak truth to power to raise the consciousness of the nation to the civic responsibility for us to know the role we play in a democracy that has to work is a nice mix of rights and responsibilities in equal balance wonderful start starting off with business sense brought to you by ADB if you have a personal loan with us and you've serviced up to 12 months we give you a special personal loan top up like a fuel top-up it's a loan top-up to meet all your needs there are some interesting needs these days school fees hostel fees rent mortgage payments domestic needs and other things you have reduced interest rates you have an extended repayment period and you also can maintain your monthly repayment amount call 0593844898 ADB truly agree can more I'm going to go back to uh, one of the you know a couple of days ago we interviewed the EU ambassador on air. So, Jean Monnet is a French diplomat who was very important in the EU architecture. It was called the Econo- European Economic um, uh, Commission, EEAC, many, many years ago. And he says something that I'll never forget. He says, nothing is possible without men, but nothing is lasting without institutions. Nothing is possible without men, but nothing is lasting without institutions. I thought that was really profound. So, whatever you're doing, start. It starts with people. Every good thing starts with people. So, whether it's a good company, whether it's a good business, a good country, it starts with good people. So, for every nation, there are founding fathers and mothers, founding uh, patriarchs and matriarchs. So, nothing is, is possible without people, but nothing will last without institutions. So a man can use his zeal to start a business, <laughs> but if it doesn't institutionalize good behavior, if it doesn't institutionalize excellence, if it doesn't institutionalize a daily, the daily grind, the daily hunger for success, the business will not last. When he dies, the business dies with him. And I think this is where we miss it on this continent, where we have great men, but we have not built lasting institutions yet. So our focus is not just to be excellent people, but to build lasting institutions. So it could even be the show you host. You should set it up in a way that even if you're not there, it can still function. 
it's tough because indeed the leader's ultimate job is to be irrelevant so that when you are not there what you stand for can still happen yeah so that that's the point for the morning nothing is possible without men but nothing is lasting without institutions business is brought to you by adb truly agric and more the city breakfast show rise above the noise Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag CityCBS. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. The song Angel welcoming you to another edition of the newspaper review segment is brought to you by Total Energies Marketing BLC, your trusted OMC, adjudged the Petroleum Company of the Year for the third consecutive time by the CIMG. At Total Energies, we are committed to the delivery of excellent quality and innovation in products and services to enhance your experience because we know our success depends on you. Oh, yes. We are a multi-energy company continuing to deliver exciting and innovative products all year round. Alright, so what's in the news? We don't know whether to call it a shuffle or a mini reshuffle, but there are new names who are going to occupy significant places in Akufuado's government. And of course, a few other big stories for the morning coming your way on the newspaper review segment. 
Uh, let me start with some online stories. Godfrey is already here just to change the flavor of the show a bit this morning. Which flavor? City Newsroom starts I'm, with... Alosky. No, let me start with the online stories. Are you talking about the changes? The no, 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 no. I'm talking about the order of the newspaper review. Let me start with the... New- What's your problem? <laughs> no, the review... Yo, you've turned the mic off. No, the president is no. It wasn't reshuffle. My brother, we know it wasn't a reshuffle. In fact, that, that's what that's what Jumpo is saying. He says that it's it's, it's it's quite disappointing. I don't know. I don't know what he was expecting. So here are some stories online. Akufuado's failure to reshuffle his minister is quite disappointing. This is Professor Jumpo. Parliament summons of rate of a debt exchange. Also on citynewsroom.com. Lots of stories on debt exchange online. For example, mm. government extends window for bondholders to complete tendering process. So this is like a technical extension, not a real extension. Mm. And then banks under pressure to force customers to accept DDP, according to Senor Hosi. Now, there's a story here that we've been following on City Newsroom. The West Hills Mall incident, deceased at cannabis in the throat, according to an autopsy report. And that's a story that the lawyer for the deceased family has been pursuing for a while. A few more stories on citynewsroom.com. Harun Edrisu didn't sell out NDC to government. Chairman Sabunsu says so. And then he says to them, the Lord is your shepherd. <laughs> now, Bagbin's outgoing message to the minority leadership, the Lord is your shepherd. Meanwhile, um, I'm the new face of the MPP. This is Adainimo. Uh, Ghanaian students in Turkey are safe, according to Ghana's ambassador. And then we are told 28 Ijraman SHS students discharged after dining hall collapses on them. Very bizarre story. Now, myjournaline.com, government grants three-day administrative window. Same story we read earlier for you. They also focus on the West Hill Moor issue. Pathologist labels asphyxiation, obstruction of airway by foreign body as cause of death for the gentleman called Shadrach Alo. A couple more stories here. Ghana's oil profile under Akufado unprecedented. This is Napos or Energy Ministry to Mahama. On, on which side? This, no, there was, a, there was a comment by the NDC that one of the reasons why we are not producing enough oil is Akufado's greed. So Energy Ministry is responding to Mahama that Ghana's profile under Akufado in oil is unprecedented. And then we need reduction in appointees, not reshuffle. Amwakumba tells Akufado. Uh, the BBC's lead story on Africa is from Rwanda. And the story says Rwanda has fined a man $900 over the death of a top journalist. This is a very bizarre story. Somebody's death $900. The Christian Achu story is probably the biggest story from the uh, Turkey earthquake. Because even on the BBC's homepage, mm-hmm. footballer Achu rescued from Turkey Rabo. Yesterday we confirmed this. That's their story. And then there's a story that we've been discussing privately. Russia's African footprint grows with Mali trip. So the Sergei Lavrov is in Mali and the BBC is leading with that. Now, City Business News is focused on the government extension of the window and the DDP, everything DDP. And then another one here, UK Chamber of Commerce reports corruption as topmost challenge for businesses mm. in 2022. City Sports, Ronaldinho's 17-year-old son will sign for Barcelona. Oh, Ibuomodin. And then, Nap- Nap- this is a very interesting story. Napoli's Victor Oshimen has broken Cristiano Ronaldo's, not his scoring record though, his jumping record. But that's understandable. Oshimen is really tall. Charlie, the jumping record though. Now, still on uh, global issues, Turkey, Syria, earthquake rescuers press on into third day. This is Dochevela. Mm-hmm. CNN is also leading with that. And he says um, the earthquake in Turkey is one of the deadliest this century. Mm. Guys, this is a century. Mm. And the newborn baby reportedly rescued from earthquake rubble in Syria. Yeah. 
you know, so many, so many stories. Okay. Let's come to the newspaper. Let me take you to the newspapers. The uh, Daily Graphic also goes with the ministerial changes, photos of Katie Hammond, Brian Achampong, Stephen Asamoah, Mohamed Amin, Adam. There are two stories also on the front page as well as the bondholders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new publisher carries the same story. Five uh, grab ministries. Mm-hmm. The Republic Press is Brian Fagrick as mm-hmm. Katie Grab Street. So they are also uh, heavy mm-hmm. on the ministerial changes. Sports betting tops most visited sites in Ghana. Mm-hmm. And there's, the Northern region is battling a possible measles outbreak. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new crusading guide also goes to the Napo story. And mm-hmm. that's why I, I was a bit worried because the language is the same. Mm-hmm. Ghana's oil producing profile under Kufadu unassailable. Yeah, so it's a statement the ministry released okay. that the papers use as their headline. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. And then Kujo Ponkuma is asking... Uh, that Ghanaians should process and consume more cocoa locally. Okay. Yes, if you go to the Ghanaian Times, the same, mm-hmm. the, the ministerial reshuffle or changes mm-hmm. of some kind. Mm-hmm. And then Auditor General recovers 2.2 billion Ghana cities for state from mm-hmm. disallowed expenditure. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the front page of the Ghanaian Chronicle, a hunter traditional council in disarray mm-hmm. for appointment of La Bianca owner as acting president. Mm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you details later. Kujo Pongkumas on the front page. Asabi is here. And finally, the finder also uh, go with the changes. All in right, so let's get into ministries. the details of the changes. The Ghanaian Times version, president names new ministers, KT for, for trade, Brian for Greek, Asabi for chief tenancy minister. Mm. If you can just give us the rationale and if there are any other angles. because Well, the new crusading guide, for instance, says uh, Kufadu breathes new life okay. into uh, government. Mm. Uh, I can give you that angle mm-hmm. on page three. Mm-hmm. says that President Adudankwe Kufadu, perhaps in response to the cry of Ghanaians to reshuffle his ministers yesterday, uh, breathed new life into his government. The President wrote to the Speaker of Parliament, Alban Smana Bagbin, as required, mm-hmm. informing him of the new changes in Government. And then I'm not sure this is a reshuffle. This is just replacing. So, for example, yes. a Greek minister is running for president. He's been replaced by mm-hmm. Brian. Trade minister has resigned. He's been replaced by Katie Hammond. Mm-hmm. Um, the deputy, the minister of state and minister of finance, Edu Bahin, was removed. He's been replaced by Mohamed Amin. Mm-hmm. Amin's movement from energy means, means that Herbert can there. take over. Herbert's moving means that Stephen Amwa takes over. They're the only new... Uh, it, there's nothing. In fact, Obi Amwa's elevation... It's possibly the only new thing. And even that, we're told, is because maybe Dambuch is giving me something else. And then the mm-hmm. chief minister resigned as Abi replaces him. Yes. So I'm not even sure there's like a big deal to be made about increase in size. It's the same thing. I think the, the president actually was politically savvy. He solved two big problems. Which is which? The Brian issue and the Katie Hammond issue. Well, maybe you need to educate us later on those issues because not everybody <laughs> knows their issues. Now, there's a story I thought I'll start with from the Canadian yes. Times. Auditor General recovers 2.2 billion cities for mm. state from this allowed expenditures. Now, this new Auditor General's work is a little bit understated, but I think we need to still highlight it. Story yeah. from Cliff Ekufu and Kezia Champon says the Auditor General has recovered 2.2 billion cities out of the 4.7 it disallowed and recommended for recovery during the 2017 to 2020 audit exercises. Additionally, the service saved the state a total of 145 million from the special payroll verification audit of September last year. This was contained a special audit report on the recoveries made from disallowed expenditure between 2017 and 2020 and payroll savings as of September 30 last year. The report said to track audit recovery in real time, the Auditor General had opened a recovery account at the Bank of Ghana and that as of September 30 last year, 
a total of 1.2 billion CDs had been recovered into the account. The Auditor General noted that evidence available suggests that its legal unit in the past submitted 14 surcharge cases to the court, but Thomas lost all the cases. And then he goes on to give some details. Very important story to highlight. Yes, there. let me take you to Parliament, uh, Bernard, because we all know what has happened there. New yeah. minority leadership in Parliament have assumed their positions. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 Lord, the way the, we were sitting down yesterday. The Lord is your shepherd. Yes. According on, to. <laughs> on page 18 of the Daily Graphic, the third session of the eighth Parliament commenced yesterday with the lenses focused on the minority caucus to see whether they will have a divided front or show solidarity mm-hmm. to their new leadership. It was all inspiring mm-hmm. to see the new leadership led by Dr. Kesel Latuforsen welcome their predecessors with open arms, hugs, and jokes. So mm-hmm. it looks like uh, everybody uh, a couple is of happy there. Stories from there. Welcome to the hot seat, bagging to new minority leadership. Mm-hmm. He also says to the outgoing team, "The Lord is your shepherd," and I'm sure he's been in that position before. He's left a position of majority or minority leader before, so. It's good advice. Then there's an, a new one where Chairman Sabonsu is saying that he did not, uh, NDC or Haruna did not sell uh, out NDC to government. So oh. there appears to be a perception al- around that issue. And here's Chairman uh, says comment. So this is citynewsroom.com. Majority leader Katie uh, or Chairman Sabonsu has dispelled allegations that former minority leader Haruna Idrisu was doing the bidding of the majority caucus in parliament. Speaking on the floor of this house, the Swami MP said, said claims are untrue. Let me state emphatically and unambiguously mm-hmm. that no such thing happened. I had developed a very harmonious working relationship with them, that's the old leaders, but people then read meanings into it. Okay. All right. Let me take you to the back page of the Daily Graphic, rather worrying story from Ejiraman, mm. Anglican Senior High School, where the dining hall has collapsed. Mm. A story by Kwejo Bafudonko says that the government mm. has taken over the medical bills Charlie? of the students of Ejiraman, Anglican Senior High School, who were injured when the school's dining hall collapsed last Monday mm. evening. Uh, the Director General of the National Disaster Management Organization, Eric Nanajman Prempe, who announced yesterday, said no parents will be burdened with the cost of treatment for their child. He said the government would bear all the costs and assure the parents of the affected students of the government's support for their mm. children. Now, at least 60 students of the school were injured, two of them critically, when the roof of the structure serving as an improvised dining hall caved in mm. as the rainstorm swept. Now, better this I'm reading the story because you remember I've told you this mm. almost every week we read a story about, about infrastructure, infrastructure in a school yeah. in government schools yeah yeah it's serious it's almost serious. every week something breaks down in it, the government it's very school. serious yes very now serious. also in the northern region Bernard mm. there seems to be a measles outbreak a measles outbreak yes uh, two newspapers are carrying that story I'll mm. take it from the Republic Press health yes, personnel yes. in the northern region are currently working around the globe mm. to contain a possible outbreak of measles in four districts. So far, the region has mm. recorded uh, over 70 positive cases of measles among children since October 2022 mm. to date, with the situation worsening on a daily basis. So, mm. according to the Republic Press, mm-hmm. they are saying the region has run out of measles vaccines hey. as the disease has been detected in four districts, including Karaga, Sanerugu, Tamale, and Kushigu. Now, let's go to the DDEP, which is a mm. story. So, give you three stories. Uh, government extends window for bond orders to complete mm. tendering process. This is citybusinessnews.com. And that's the story is just what it says on the tin, that essentially the government has uh, extended a window for bond orders to complete the tendering processes as part of the controversial domestic debt exchange program. Now, the deadline for signing the program was yesterday, the 7th of February. But government, in a late-night press statement, said some of the bond orders faced, quote, Technical glitches as they try to complete the online tender process. Hence, the window to enable such persons to complete the process. So, that's story one. Story two, um, read, Parliament summons the Minister of Finance over the debt exchange program. Again, this headline is the story. Speaker of Parliament has directed a business committee 
to summon Kenoforiata to give a briefing on government's domestic debt exchange program. Now, this follows concerns raised by the minority in demand for policy updates on the government on the program due to the picketing of pensioners at the Ministry of Finance to demand exemption. And the speaker said members stand ready to provide assistance to the government. Then the last one on this on the same city newsroom website is the independent or individual bondholders forum. The convener says that banks are under pressure to force customers to accept the DDEP. Now, convener of the individual bondholders forum, Senior Hussi, has alleged that some banks are under pressure to coerce their customers to accept the DDEP as the deadline approaches. This was from yesterday. Now, Mr. Hussi describes the move as illegal and immoral, adding that forcing customers of banks to accept the program could spell doom for the country in the future. He said this on Eyewitness News. Here's a quote from him. Unfortunately, on the market, we see some conduct that are unethical and illegal. We see pressure coming from different quarters compelling banks to try and force customers to accept or tender or accept the DDE. This is illegal. This is unethical and immoral. Later this morning, I want to do something. What do you want to do? I want to review one of the contracts or when you sign up to a collective investment scheme, Mm-hmm. You know, this, there's a lot of papers you sign. Plenty. Nobody reads. We want to understand what you signed. Whether that means that the scheme can opt for a debt exchange without your consent explicitly, or whether you have to opt out before they do not do it. You do follow me? Because yes. yesterday when I spoke to uh, Michael Ham- Yamsen, he said, yes. "Write to your CIS fund manager and tell him that you don't want to pass a debt exchange." Now, this is my contention: for individual bondholders, their banks wrote to them. And said the government is offering a debt exchange. Do you want it? And you have to reply. Now you can't expect five thousand members of the collective investment scheme to all write letters. Or so I don't know how that's going to work. So we're going to check what the law says about that arrangement. Whether it's the board of the fund management that can take that decision, whether they need a resolution, or whether they are on they can on their own just get up and say we are going to. Because don't forget the debt exchange mm-hmm. is government saying that. You bought a bond from me at a price. Mm. Now, I want you to offer me a new bond. bond yeah. And it doesn't make sense. So, we have to try and resolve right. that. So, let, we'll deal with that story in the course of the day Let me take you to today. the Daily Graphic, pages 28 and 29. I'll take you to court there quickly. So, mm. the Beige Bank CEO, Michael Nyanaku, his trial is ongoing. Mm. And according to a witness, the bank suffered liquidity challenges and a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. It says that board members of Defunct Beige Bank confirmed that the bank could not pay depositors and there's a lack of confidence in the bank 14 days before the revocation of the bank's license. Mm. Uh, this is coming from the first prosecution witness uh, in the trial of former CEO of the bank, mm. Michael Nineku. And uh, cross-examination of counsel for Nineku your story, the witness, Julius Ivor, a chartered accountant and a leading member of the team put together by the receiver of the defunct bank mm-hmm. to review accounts of the bank, said the management of the defunct bank saw the revocation of the bank's license coming. Mm-hmm. On page 29, so Forsen's case has been adjourned. Uh, that's just an update I am giving you. Uh, mm-hmm. That has that's happening tomorrow. The adjournment is to tomorrow. Uh, Dr. Kesato Foster and three others over the health condition over of one of the accused persons, this ambulance. Um, the, the case in which uh, Mahama Yaga also took the uh, Bank of Ghana on over the, took the finance mission on over the GATT has mm-hmm. also been adjourned. The Attorney General asked for more time. Okay. There, there are some headlines that I thought were interesting. So the Herald says, mm-hmm. Akufado fills potholes, runs from Ministerial Reshuffle. If we are shielded, Amako Ba not impressed. You know, and then undue influence claim against Said Wagongo Rabis at Opuni trial. And then uh, we're told MPP fixes December 2023 for their primaries. I'm not sure if this is confirmed, the 2023 December. I think the last meeting was inconclusive. But the story from the Herald says the MPP has finally settled on December 2023 this year. 
to carry out its presidential and parliamentary elections to select candidates for the 2024 polls. The decision follows reports of confusion and near fights between the various groups over the dates for the election with three meetings of the MPP National Executive Council ending conclusively. Yeah. Now, but the paper's contacts in the party have revealed that progress has been made with December 21st earmarked as the date of voting. And then we know that last week they tried to resolve this. We were told some people wanted August, some people wanted December. So this is the Herald's angle that okay. it's happening. Let me let me give December. you an actual update. Like you said, it's the big story yeah. uh, in a lot of places. And yeah. uh, the Ghanaian Times and the Chronicle have called their reportage of the situation, of the rescue, let me put it that way, from the Daily Mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just take it from the back page of the Chronicle. It says the former, and it's a pretty dramatic uh, account of the rescue. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking to Radio Gol. Uh, Mustafa Ozat, who's the club's vice president, Hataispo, uh, said that Christian Achu was taken out with injuries. Uh, sporting director Taner Savut is unfortunately still under the rubble. Footage showed, uh, shared on social media by Ajahn Sport showed a rescue team in the village of Ekinchi hmm. in the Adriaman district. It is claimed in the video that voices of Achu and sporting director Savut could be heard oh. uh, at the time. So uh, says there's an anxious way to rescue Savut. Mm-hmm. While rescue teams navigate the rubble. We have two more stories from the citynewsroom.com. Ghana's ambassador to Turkey, Francisca Ashite Odunton, mm. has confirmed to City News that all Ga- Ghanaian students who were in areas affected by the earthquake are safe and now being catered for. Now, we know more than 5,000 people have died in the two countries, according to national news. Now, in an interview with City News, Ambassador Odunton revealed that even though a state of emergency had been declared, and reaching out to some Ghanaians in those affected areas was tough. Her outfit had been informed by the president of the Ghanaian students in Turkey that all students had been accounted for. Now, I'm, I'm juxtaposing that story with a BBC report still on the Turkish issue. And it's quite interesting that BBC's focus is still on Ghana. So I'm on Christian. Actually, BBC is also, they're also talking about Ghanaian students recounting their horror in the Turkey earthquake. Mm. I didn't know there were that many Ghanaians in Turkey. But the BBC's focus on Africa radio spoke to several Ghanaian students who are living in nearby cities who were affected, which were affected by the earthquake. Ibrahim, a Ghanaian student living in Konyo, or Konya, together with his partner and one-week-old baby, says that he is thankful to be alive after the earthquake struck. It was dawn when we heard the shaking of the land. We tried to gather the family and take them out of the house. I feel sad and very sorry. Folks on Africa also spoke to Ghanaian student Nasa Abdullah, who is studying in Adana, which is 150 miles from Gaziantep the city closest to the epicenter, and he also recounts what happened. So, we are thankful that, so far, all known Ghanaians, at least, but we're also praying with the Turkish and the, Syri- and the, and the Syrians that they will rescue more people. Now, in right. fact, just a, a quick one. on The CNN is reporting that mm-hmm. this is the, the, the strongest or the deadliest earthquake in a century. Mm. Now, ap- now the, this is the latest figure from CNN. More than 8,000 people have been reportedly killed and tens of thousands injured by the devastating earthquakes that rocked Turkey and Syria on Monday. So their figure is now 8,000. Thousands of buildings collapsed in the two nations and aid agencies are warning of, quote, catastrophic repercussions in northwest Syria, where millions of vulnerable and displaced people were already relying on humanitarian support. Massive rescue efforts are underway with the global community offering assistance in search and recovery operations. Meanwhile, agencies have warned that fatalities from the disaster could climb significantly higher. Now, then the details of why the earthquake was given yeah, was hit, the aftershocks in the region, why earthquakes happen, how earthquakes are measured, and how big and intense this one was. Now, this is the, 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 the hook. 
The February 6th earthquake is the strongest in Turkey in more than 80 years mm. and one of the deadliest. Of course, there have been deadlier ones, but uh, the story is also asking about why Turkey has so many earthquakes. And apparently, two massive tectonic plates, the Arabian and Eurasian, meet underneath 30 southern provinces. Okay. Along this fault line, about 100 miles from one side to the other, the earth slipped. Okay, and uh, just in addition to that, on page 9 of the Daily Graphic, the Turkish president has declared a state of emergency, uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Uh, this is going to end just before elections on May 14. So uh, rescue efforts at the moment focused heavily in the region of Adana, mm-hmm. uh, where... Um, you know, a lot of people seem to require some help. And uh-huh. then there's this story on page 8 of mm. the Chronicle about the Ahanta Traditional Council in Disarray. What's happening there? Yeah, apparently Eunice Jacqueline Boasumahine, Madame Labianca, the owner of Labianca, she's been in the news recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has been introduced by the Registrar of the Traditional Council as the Chief of Princess Town and has subsequently been elected as the acting president of the House of Chiefs of the area. Mm-hmm. And some of the chiefs in the area are saying they did not know even when she, she was installed as a chief. So some controversy there. But mm-hmm. let me take you international yes. uh, before we wrap up. You know, yeah. the Russian foreign minister is in yeah, town. He's in Mali. He's in Mali, Sergei, Sergei Lavrov. Mm-hmm. Uh, he arrived in Mali yesterday for talks with his hunter. Uh, they are seeking, uh, who are seeking help mm-hmm. in battling an Islamist insurgency that remains entrenched. He was in Iraq. Lavrov was in Iraq last Monday. He was welcomed upon his arrival by his counterpart, Abdullah Diop. He's actually uh, promising to help Mali fight the militancy. Mm. So, Sergei Lavrov, according to BBC, has promised continued military support for Mali, which has been battling a jihadist insurgency for more than a decade. He was speaking at a news conference at the capital, Mabako. And mm. this is his third visit to an African country in recent months. Yes. He's been so, very busy. Then and Mali's, now Mali have yeah. already received planes and attack helicopters from Moscow, hmm. as well as several hundred Russian soldiers described by Mali's leaders as instructors who are helping to reinforce its defense and sovereignty. Well, that description is something that Western press also, uh, they, they don't believe that description of them as instructors. Yeah, and then you, you add that to Burkina Faso and, and, and Wagner. And then another worrying one from the international, you know, the... Uh, UN report mm-hmm. uh, yesterday yeah, that looked at Sub-Saharan Africa as being the new epicenter yeah. of extremism. Yes. And one reason that stood out was that poverty. they are saying poverty. There's there are no jobs. Poverty. Yeah, and I feel that it's something we should discuss that there's so many vulnerable poor people who are mm-hmm. being lured in terrorism yes. because of poverty. Significant, the story says that a significant increase of 92% of new recruits to extremist groups are joining for better livelihoods compared to the motivations of those interviewed in a previous report released in Tuesday. Now, this is classic Al-Shabaab motivation. Now, if you go back, mm-hmm. Al-Shabaab increased its numbers mm-hmm. about when they were recruiting by offering to pay $100 a day. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of people who joined Al-Shabaab back then did not what join simply because they, they believed it's, it's simply because it's the quickest way to get money. $100 a day is a lot of money. And where do they get the money from? Yes, that one's also another issue. And the NNPC is apologizing to Nigerians and promising that fuel scarcity will ease in one week. This is an irony. Africa's largest oil producer has fuel queues. And their the, the, version of GMPC has apologized to Nigerians for over three months of pains caused by nationwide fuel scarcity. Mm-hmm. You know, the group CEO, Melek Kiari, who spoke during an interview on Channel Television's special election program, assured the public that the glitch will be resolved to everyone's relief. So it's describing this as a, a glitch. And then finally, Victor Oshimen, 
has outjumped Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> you know, yeah, our Jamie Tesh from City Sports that uh-huh. Napoli striker Victor Simen has broken Cristiano Ronaldo's jumping record mm. in the Italian Serie A amid a brilliant scoring run this season. Yeah. Nigeria International scaled Ronaldo's 256 centimeters as he rose high to connect a loose ball to put Napoli 2 0 up in a game against Spezia last round. Now, Oshimen's jump reached a peak height of 258 centimeters mm. or in, in feet terms, he jumped 8.4 feet. He's a tall man. He jumped 8.4 feet. He's a tall man. He's expected to jump. <laughs> no, he's serious. To beat Ronaldo's record, uh, the former Juventus striker scored against Ambroria in the 2019 season. Now, Oshimen, however, couldn't beat Fikayo Tomori's all-time Sierra jumping record of 263 centimeters, recorded in AC Milan's 3-0 win over Juventus in 2020-2021. Tomori rose to a height of 8.6 feet. Hey! They should go and do high jump. <laughs> that was the news review with Godfred. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. It's a minute to seven. This is uh, Wednesday's edition of City Breakfast Show. City Business News coming up next. Michael Obodu is already poised. Brought to us by Goyle, your OMC of choice. We keep making life of us so convenient. You know, accept Momo for all fuel purchases. Remember to Momo it at Goyle. You can use your bank card or all bank cards to buy fuel at Goyle. Drive to your nearest Goyle station, buy your fuel and pay by Momo, bank card or go card. Follow us on our social media platforms, Goyle Good Energy. And the new year has just begun, and what a better way to begin the year than by starting fresh with a brand new SIM from your favorite network. From the month of January, all SIM card prices will be 10 CDs. So join the MTM family and begin the year with great coverage and super fast internet connection everywhere you go. The news is also sponsored by Access Bank and Enterprise Life. Michael Ugbodu is in the house. <laughs> Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Bernard. Hello and welcome to the breakfast edition of City Business News, proudly brought to you by MTN, Goyal Enterprise Life, your advantage, Access Bank, Modern Banking, and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. Coming up, government gives three-day grace period to allow bondholders complete their signing up to the domestic debt exchange program. Also, pensioner bondholders accuse government of resorting to Berlin to include them in the program. Now to our first story, government has granted bondholders a three-day administrative window to complete processes for tendering their bonds. This is in response to technical challenges faced by some bondholders who tried to complete the online tender process. A statement issued by the Ministry of Finance on Tuesday said the window ends at 4 p.m. on Friday, February 10, 2023. The statement explained that the timetable of the exchange remains unaffected except for the announcement date, which is now Monday, February 13. Accordingly, the statement, the settlement of exchange remains the scheduled date of Tuesday, February 14, 2023. The statement also reminded bondholders who could not complete the process should do should visit the website of the Central Securities Depository, which is www. 
csd.com.gh.de to complete the process. Now, away from that, the convener of the Individual Bondholders Forum, Senor Jose, is cautioning financial institutions that are coercing individual bondholders to sign on to the domestic exchange program to desist from the act. He notes that the forum is not against the program, but rather the inclusion of individuals as it is inimical to the recovery of the economy. The finance minister, Ken Ofariata, in his address on Monday warned that non-participation in the domestic debt exchange program by individual bondholders will prolong the efforts by the government to revive the economy. But speaking to City Business News, Senor C. rather called on government to also focus on implementing its expenditure cuts and fiscal consolidation measures to support the success of the program. I've subjected my company to the DDE, but for individuals, that is a no-go because of the economic and social catastrophic implications. So we are not against it. So we are very happy that government has come to the end of this program. It is very important that the deal is resolved quickly. And if government has achieved that today, we can only commend government achieving that. Unfortunately, on the market, we've seen some conducts that are unethical and also illegal. We've seen pressure coming from different quarters, compelling banks to try and force customers to try and tender or accept the DP. That is illegal. That is unethical. That is immoral. The risk of that is that tomorrow the same customer will come and tell you, I accepted it under duress. Who is really going to take responsibility for that? That in itself deceives the contract. But I move to take a step back with the minister's submissions yesterday. All well and good. That's a big mistake. If God helps those who help themselves, that is what we should have had. One government must take responsibility for the state of the economy. Government should have led the way by taking fiscal adjustments. That was the convener of the Individual Bondholders Forum, Senor Hossi. Now, the Pensioner Bondholders Forum has accused the government of resorting to bullying to include them in the domestic debt exchange program. Members of the group had for the past two days picketed at the Ministry of Finance to demand their exclusion from the program. Convener for the forum, Dr. Edu Anani Inchi, laments that government is imposing its demands on them instead of engaging them. The government has dealt with the financial sector players. But as far as pensioner bondholders are concerned, the government hasn't had any discussion or negotiation with us. What the minister has done, which I have is that when he has decided that this is the way we want to move, then he called you and say, this is what we are offering you. That is not negotiation. That is what the minister wants to offer. That's exactly what he has uh, placed in the, in the invitation document. So you don't find anything like uh, pensioners and the government has uh, agreed on APC terms. You don't find that. You don't find anything that individual bondholders, those other groups, have agreed with government on APC. What we find was the insurance industry. So for us, is what government thinks we should do for us. Is what he wants to do for us. Right. So we haven't had any negotiation with the minister. No. 
Dr. Edu Anani Entry is the convener for the Pensioner Bondholders Forum. Now, the Ghana Union of Traders Associations, GUTA, is urging the Japanese investment community to take advantage of the business potentials that exist in Ghana to commit more investment in the country. The association maintains that its members need to partner with foreign investors to build a resilient Ghanaian business hub. Speaking at the sidelines of a meeting with a group of Japanese investors who are in the country to explore the viable trade avenues of Ghana, the president of Dr. Joseph Obeying called for cooperation between Ghana and Japan to ensure a win-win situation for both parties. Gradually, does Japan external trade organization is warming itself up with Guta. They know the potential that Guta has and they have invited us even to Tunisia uh, to brainstorm and how to foster trade among ourselves. And so with this cooperation, that's why they have also followed up to come here um, to see how we can do business together. This is a win-win situation. We have our network, huge networking. We have our facilities, the warehouse facilities. And they also have the materials and all that. How are we going to bridge up um, to trade together uh, for the mutual benefit? And this is what this meeting essentially uh, means. And the fact that uh, we are also gearing out for the Afri- African continental free trade area. We cannot do it alone. We seek manufacturers who will come and partner with us so that we can also produce to the rest of Africa, so that the continental free trade area will become meaningful. But in this case too, it's mutual because they do not have access to the continental free trade, but they use us as a springboard to step into the um, African market. That was the president of the Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta, Dr. Joseph Obing. Away from that, energy consultant Dr. Yusuf Suleimana says Ghana should begin to experience some level of fuel security as the central refinery is expected to come on stream soon. Dr. Suleimana believes that not only will fuel be readily available should the refinery commence operations, but should also be cheaper as it would eliminate shipping costs in the price build-up. Central Oil Refinery was conceived from the Chinese government's Belt and Road Development Strategy for the oil and gas industry in Ghana, in China and Africa, with a capacity of 5 million tons per year. Speaking to City Business News, the energy consultant called on government to ensure it creates the enabling environment to ensure the refinery thrives. And that's the positive thing about it. It's not under government. And so they are purely profit-driven, and I think efficiency will, run, will, 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 will be the order of the day. What the government can do is to do what it used to do best, especially in some era, provide enabling environment for them to triumph. The government shouldn't, shouldn't, uh, shouldn't in a way put bottlenecks or, you know, stumbling blocks, you know, for such a marvel, a fantastic project to come to fruition. So what the government can do is to create the enabling environment for such a refinery to come to fruition. Um, it is private, but it is still okay. It is owned by Ghanaians or maybe in partnership with other people or whatever. But as long as um, we we are able to be able to, I mean, we are able to source products locally, you know. And I can tell you, if what they are saying actually goes uh, comes to, if what they are saying comes to fruition, where they can churn out about hundred thousand barrels, which is just what the nation needs. So we'll have zero importation. <laughs> and, and, uh, Michael, what can stabilize the city in such a move? So I think that what the government can do at best is to create an enabling environment to propel such a project to come to fruition without any bottlenecks.
Energy consultant Dr. Yusif Sulemana. Now on the interbank foreign exchange market where banks trade amongst themselves, the dollar remained unchanged and is selling at 10 CDs 80 pesos. The British pound, which lost 4 pesos, is selling at 12 CDs 95 pesos. The euro lost 1 peso and is selling at 11 CDs 55, 11 CDs 5 pesos. However, at some forex bureaus in the capital, the dollar is selling for 12 CDs 40 pesos, while the British pound is selling at 15 CDs and the euro is selling for 13 CDs 20 pesos. Let's now join Gillian Hammer for more on the topic, the fundamentals of financial planning number five, why you should pay yourself first. When it comes to your money, earning it is only half the battle. Once you've got a balance in your bank account, putting a plan in place to manage, save and invest it is crucial to your long-term financial well-being. Most people spend their money and then say, oh, I need to save. Then at the end of the month, they just forget and they never really save. Set aside a percentage of every paycheck and put the money into a separate account as soon as you are paid. Most people get caught up paying their bills once their paycheck comes in, and they end up with very little to save. By being disciplined and paying yourself first, you will force yourself to live off less than your total paycheck. Note, however, that paying yourself first can work against you if you have high interest or bad debt. If the interest rate on your loans is higher than what you will get on your investments, consider paying off your loans as quickly as possible first so you don't end up working against yourself. That was Gillian Hammer of Data Bank. And that does it for the breakfast edition of City Business News, proudly brought to you by MTN Girl, Enterprise Life, your Advantage Access Bank. More than banking and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obudu. Thank you for listening. Have a good business day. And as always, please stay safe. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. Seven thirteen City Breakfast Show Wednesday morning. Takeoff is coming up shortly. It's brought to you by Lesheho. This is for private schools. If you're targeting to buy a new school bus anytime this year, don't wait for later when we can support you. Do it now. Come along, apply for our competitive school bus loan with convenient payment terms. It's very convenient. Call Michael on 057-411-7851. Let's do it together. Lesheho, let's improve life. And buy, shell, fuel, save. It's triple action formula improves engine efficiency, prevents deposit buildup, and protects your engine from wear and corrosion. Gives you an extra clean, extra protection, and extra savings. And of course, extra kilometers for your drive. Switch to shell fuel save today because the extra kilometers go a long way. Go well. Benjamin Kitsa is here. And time for kickoff. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Ben. Let's get into the headlines. And Asante Kotoko to play. Diana starts in the round of 16 in the MTNFA Cup. Man United take on Leeds United tonight in the EPL. And in the MDA, LeBron James breaks Karim Abdul-Jabbar's 38-year uh, all-time MDA leading scorer record.
Off with the MTNFA Cup and Kumasi Asante Kotoko, they have been drawn against Indiana Stars in the round of 16. The Porcupine Warriors will be the away team at the Nana Ajimambedu Park in Doma. Now, Real Tamale United will host Samatex FC at the Aliu Mahama Stadium uh, in an all Premier League affair. James FC, who eliminated holders Accra Hearts of Oak, will face Division 1 side Liberty Professionals. In other parents, there's Kim Faisal versus Steadfast, in Swatraman versus DBB United. Legon Cities versus Volta Rangers, Hearts of Lions take on Sky FC. Ebuswan Dwarfs will be up against Kotoku Royals. And then there's also matches will be played between the 24th and the 26th of February 2023. So that's what's going on as far as the MTN FA Cup is concerned. Let's get to some other news and Southampton winger Kamal Dean Suleimana believes the English Premier League will help him develop and also improve his craft. Now the Ghanaian international who has joined the Saints on a four and a half year deal from Rennes made his debut for the club last Saturday in their 3-0 defeat to Brentford leaving them bottom of the Premier League table. Speaking in his first interview since completing his move Suleimana says the need to play regular football informed his decision to join the relegation threatened club it's been good you know uh, everyone is friendly here and everyone speaks English so it makes it uh, easy to understand everything so yeah I'm settling quite well it's good to know how it feels uh, to uh, uh, to play in the Premier League uh, now it's just about you know you know uh, getting everything right and you know uh, making sure we win games and you know move forward I mean I'm, I'm, I'm yet to experience it or you know uh, so, uh, looking at for, looking from outside you see it's, uh, it's very it's very competitive and you know they've got uh, great players great teams and yeah it's a place uh, it's a league uh, you can learn a lot from so yeah looking from outside that's uh, what I'm seeing and then I'm yet to experience it all and I'm looking for it uh, I felt um, at this moment it was the right place for me to come and because I was looking to play more and I felt like um, here was the right place to come in and get that and improve myself moving forward. So you had Southampton winger Kamal Dean Suleimana speaking there. Let's get to some rather sad news. And Turkish goalkeeper Ahmet Ayup Takaslan has died following Monday's earthquake in his home country. Now his club Lenny Malayatspor have confirmed more than 8,000 people have lost their lives in Turkey and Syria following the earthquake. And I quote, our goalkeeper Ahmet Taklaslan lost his life after being under the collapse of the earthquake. Rest in peace, the club said on Twitter. We will not forget you. You are a beautiful person. It added now the 28 uh, year played six times for the Turkish second division club Malayatspor after joining in 2021. So that's what's going on. Let's move on to the Premier League and Man United manager Eric Ten Hag has revealed that three key players will be absent for their game against Leeds United. Now star midfielder Casemiro is banned for the Premier League clash for the red card he picked up against Crystal Palace while Anthony and Scott McTominay are also unavailable. Ten Hag believes it will be a good opportunity for French players to get some time. Yeah. 
we have to win. The squad is all players in, Man United capable, so we have to perform tomorrow and we have to win the games, no matter who is going on the pitch. Man United manager Eric Ten Hag speaking there. Let's head to the camp of Leeds United and hear from their caretaker coach, Michael Skubala, who has been speaking about the mood of the squad following the sacking of Jesse March. You know, Jesse was a good guy, you know, and the team was, you know, the team was working hard for Jesse, um, but they're, they're used to change as, as professional football and they're professional football athletes, and um, I think the mood is, I wouldn't say down, but the mood is okay, you know, the mood is about, we've got to focus on Manchester United, we've got to be positive, and we've got to go after three points. It's a tough environment, you know, I think Manchester United won the last 13 at Old Trafford, so it's not going to be easy, is it? I don't think anybody thinks it's going to be easy, but as long as we're competitive and we put a good show on and we put a good team on the pitch, that's, that's the most we can ask for. And if we can do something, can make something, that would be good. Michael Skubala, caretaker coach for Leeds United. Now a host of Premier League clubs want Manchester City to be kicked out of the division if they are found guilty of breaking rules over nine seasons. Now City said on Monday that they were surprised to have been charged by the Premier League with 101 alleged breaches of financial rules spanning uh, the 2009-2010 season to the 2017-2018 season. The Premier League's most severe punishment in these circumstances would be to expel City and it has been reported that the English Football League would be under no obligation to accept them. Now there is a feeling that taking away City's titles retrospectively would be meaningless and cause confusion but the fine is also not likely to have much of an effect. Now the club's who had been pressing hardest for action until Monday, uh, where some other members of the Big Six, which includes Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Tottenham Hotspur. So let's get to some other news. And former Portugal and Real Madrid boss Carlos Carlos has been appointed Qatar head coach, replacing Felix Sanchez. Now his contract lasts until the 2026 World Cup in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. The 69-year-old led Iran at the 2022 World Cup and has also managed South Africa, Colombia and Egypt. Qatar took part in the World Cup Finals for the first time last year as host, losing all three group games to Ecuador, Senegal and the Netherlands. Let's finish off with some basketball and LeBron James was in historic form last night. He uh, is the leading scorer in NBA history uh, as far as the regular season is concerned after breaking Karim Abdul-Jabbar's career record of 38,387 points. Now he broke the record with a fadeaway two-point shot in the final seconds of the third quarter of their game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. James came into uh, the game needing 36 points to make history. Now he finished the game with 38 points uh, in a game where the Lakers lost 133 to 130. Let's listen to LeBron speak after his historic night. It's so uh, surreal um, because it's something I never, you know, made a goal of mine or set out to do. It's uh, just happened. Um, longevity, me being able to be on the floor uh, for three multiple franchises, going and trying to be the greatest I could be every single night, and. Um, having great teammates and coaches that allow me to be me. So um, I don't know if it's hit me. It hit me a little bit on the floor when my family got on the floor after it happened and I've seen all my friends and family, but uh, it hasn't quite soaked in just yet. History maker LeBron James speaking there. And that's all for this morning's edition of Kickoff. My name is Benjamin Inketia, the small sport at citysportsonline.com. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation.
Station. The power of This is City 97.3. Masanabo! Masanabo! We call you a Mendinanso. Adopwe!
All right, so it's 7.34 City Breakfast Show, and we are getting straight into the issues. And uh, just to uh, let you know that the, the richest of Dano milk makes a perfect combination with your tea, oats, gari, soaking, cocoa, etc. to give you a great taste that you've always desired. Dano milk is a rich source of natural protein fortified with vitamin A. has several other vitamins and essential nutrients that keep you nourished and healthy every day so we have protein which nourishes and grows your muscle for health and strength iodine that nourishes your brain to maintain and improve brain function vitamin b12 that strengthens your immune system and calcium that gives you and your family strong bones and teeth so we have the dano milk coffee three in one the dano milk chocolate three in one and dano evaporated milk we also have the plain powdered milk dano go for it Football fever never stops with Showmax Pro. Watch the best live games from the Serie A, the Premier League, Europa League, the La Liga and more live from Supersport on Showmax Pro. Plus you can stream movies, series and kids shows on any device. Sign up and watch the world's best football and the greatest local and international entertainment all from only 59.99 CDs a month on Showmax Pro. Subscribe at Showmax.com. Baby, you know that you the one. Hold on up for me. I tell you who's a hammer tan. My son is Cinderella and I want to be Peter Pan. Yeah, we hear the crammy. Me, yeah, we'll do more for the jam. See, see me out in here. if you're thinking of what to buy for that special someone for for valentine why not get him a caveman watch with his name emblazoned in it with a nice uh, wrapper and indeed you can even do a whole video of the whole process how the thing is being done him or her Bernadine. no 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 you, you get to ah. no no please let me do, uh, when, wait, wait, no, no 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 when I, you get to her period no no no, no, no. him or her no, no, no. Why, just from men and women why are you only saying him every time why are you saying him buy me wig so for you to say when is your oh, tent, gift when, for, when, for him no, when is your, when is your turn to do the lpm you can you can add a female twist to it allow me see, allow me to exercise my editorial discretion this, in on the basis of what what's your problem there's no twist in the lpm you're guy, adding the male factor guy, how many things do women buy for men socks uh, watch supporter. <laughs> the most annoying one. Singlet. Not in the not in a, in a singlet. The one with the, the Charlie. Single white singlet. Yeah. There was this one. Be the, the, the. Charlie. Stop it. The Come options on. are a bit limited, but it's the thought that counts. I was listening to AJ. <laughs> AJ she was saying. Uh, as for uh, 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 men, uh-huh. love is enough, but women, money is, love is not enough, but you have to add money. <laughs> you know what they say? Don't mind say that as for your money, it is our money. Don't mind, but as for my money, <laughs> as for it, it, money, it be in money. 
Imagine. Listen, I'm saying this. All, I'm, I'm glad this has given you a, a chance to vent your frustration about gifts that you receive. Can I, can my I, point is, there I are caveman watches for both we men do, and women. Do, do, do. So you shouldn't just no, emphasize I, for, for no, him. I'm saying that sometimes you do the announcement. You can emphasize what is interesting to you. I am in saying fact, that. You normally take this one from me. You don't yes. let me do it. Because it's very important to so me. let me slip it in now. This is the only thing they've done for men that is... <laughs> Have you, have, have you ever seen I'm wearing a caveman watch right now Look at it It's an anomaly It's very have, have you, have you it's seen? Not. Have you seen a caveman billboard With a woman on it before <laughs> It's not caveman It's caveman Anthony Jamatha Please do a caveman billboard And put me on it We have to Shame Bernard on this score I love my caveman so watch Let me finish So I'm saying that If they're women Valentine is coming Yes We don't want supporter We don't want singlet <laughs> We want something like a watch. Yeah. Which we deserve a watch. Ah, now, and I'm saying the watch, you know. Put yeah. the man's name in it. In fact, call this phone number. Write it down now. 055-751-6744. Or visit cavemanwatches.com. If I mention the code FB23, or say, Bernard say you should come for caveman watch for our women. For our men. Caveman watches are the... I think on the new... Innovations in Ghana in terms it's of the way, beautiful. yes. So please don't let Kokui deceive you. Ah. <laughs> okay, now it's your turn. You can say what you want to say. All I want to say is you can also, no, not on, 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 on the way in front of you. What's your problem? <laughs> Look, are you an entrepreneur in the formal or informal sector between 16 and 55 years of age? Are you seeking an opportunity to fund and grow your business? Mm. Well, say no more. I Am Investable is here to make your dream come true. Mm. Join the I Am Investable business initiative now and receive up to 50,000 CDs grant, mentorship, and support to grow your business. Now, to participate, send a summary of 250 words about your business or a two-minute video of you telling us why your business is viable and investable. Mm. There's a processing fee that applies, though, but pitch your way to success today. Mm. Go to IAMInvestable.com for more details. I Am Investable. Empowering innovative businesses for growth. Mm, that's good. Yes, that's it is. very good. It is. And it's the Imperial Insure and Win promo. From now to the 31st of March 2023, insure your vehicle with Imperial General Assurance and win handsome rewards. Yep, it's instant. Just insure and pick up your reward fuel coupons, gift vouchers, special souvenirs, and so much more. And here's the big deal Imperial is also giving you a free one year life insurance cover as part of your motor insurance cover. So get Get a double from Imperial General. Mm-hmm. Call 0302-788-955 or talk to any of our agents across the country. Mm-hmm. You can also follow us on all our social media handles. Imperial General Assurance, solid protection. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And for the parents out there, mm-hmm. listen, listen, Prospectus Ghana, they're offering a new short code, star 447, star 899 hash. This is to help parents and guardians make installment payments towards items required for their awards school admissions. It's safe and it's convenient. Prospectus Ghana also provides a one-stop shop for all school items and a supplier of good quality brand chalk white A4 sheets for all your printing jobs. Locate Prospectus Ghana on the Graphic Road opposite Toyota Ghana or call Prospectus Ghana on 0500-600-607. Prospectus Ghana, your one-stop shop for all school items and stationery.
741, couple of quick birthday messages. Uh, Nathan has one. Yes, yes, yes. I want to say happy birthday to um, Nancy Imadi. She is with the FinTech and Innovation Office at the BOG. Mm-hmm. The message came from her husband, Kofi Imadi. They recently celebrated 10 years of their marriage. Wonderful. And the message is, happy birthday, my darling wife. You have been an amazing partner, mother, and friend mm-hmm. to us. Cheers mm-hmm. to an amazing year. A happy birthday to Kwesi Otute Amano. God bless and prosper you and have an amazing year. This is coming in from Doris and to Florence Baffo of uh, Mays Educational Center South Odoko. Live long. Also wishing my firstborn Jason Ampimdako a blessed birthday. My prayer is that God will make you a great leader in all aspects of life. Wisdom, success and great health from your dad, mom, Jesse and Jasmine. Coming in from Joe Ampimdako to the sun. And this came in yesterday. I don't know if I did it, but happy, uh, welcome to the fourth floor. That message is coming into Sefako Aneu from uh, Edem Semenyu and Senam. And the message is, you have been a blessing to us and we pray for God's favor and direction in all you do. Many more levels we shall climb together. For now, it's 15 over 40. Uh, that's coming in from Edem Semenyu and Senam to Sefako Aneu. Alright, so two quick announcements. There hasn't been an extension of the debt exchange, but it's more like um, a three-day window to deal with technical issues. So, for what that's worth, um, my my reading of the relationship between investors and their collective investment schemes uh, leaves me with a certain confusion, and um, I'm not sure if Sky you can help me because. The um, ordinary investment decisions are taken on behalf of the fund by the fund manager in consultation with the board. So an ordinary investment decision would be whether to go for this stock or that bond in whichever mixture. So that's basically that's why you are signing on to the investment scheme. So that's the skill that you are um, getting from them. But when you read the relationship in, in its detail, the basic understanding is that I am going to invest in an instrument, either a stock or a bond, that will yield a return, that will be paid at a certain date. And when that date gets, when that, when that date is due, we then decide whether to roll over or to liquidate. So that's the base relationship. Now, from, from my reading, it seems to me as though the board and the fund manager have the day-to-day, they take the day-to-day decisions. But when there is something as major as a debt exchange, which is going to alter the fundamental nature of the relationship between me and the fund, and between the fund and what it can get, there has to be some consultation with the members who are the individual bondholders within that collective scheme. What I'm not sure of is the way they would do the consultation, whether they will organize a board meeting or whether they will call an investor conference and put it to them, whether they will ask for a vote. I'm saying this because my my fund manager sends me regular emails. I remember when the SEC said that they should do mark-to-market instead of using the accrual method to calculate our investment. I got an email and they gave me a 20,000 CD haircut. Mm-hmm. Right, and they quoted the SEC law. In fact, the SEC somehow also texted 
So ICC sent a text. I don't know how ICC got my number. They texted and said, hey, customer, something, something, something. Then mm-hmm. the company that I invest in sent me an email with a statement. And then they calculated what my investment would have meant if it was marked to market. Mm-hmm. And then, so if it was the normal calculation right. using the amortization. And then they, they said, now my mark to market value is this, which was 20,000 CDs less. I took it quietly. I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Now, the government is asking individual bondholders and collective investment schemes to come for a debt exchange. <coughs> now, I believe this is a gray area, but I think, Sky, your view is that once a debt exchange is going to alter the fundamental relationship between we, the members of the investment scheme, and whoever is invested in, yeah. you believe that by your reading of the law, the fund manager or the board cannot on their own agree to the debt exchange without asking us in some way. Yeah, that's the view I take um, respectfully. Mm-hmm. The reason is that, yes, it is the case that the day-to-day administration of the fund, which is your money, which you put in there, to yield positive returns for you, mm-hmm. is within the framework agreed by you guys, which is that the fund manager should do it. So he carries out the day-to-day investments, mm-hmm. which nobody should question. Now, when it comes to a fundamental shift, and, and you use the right phrase, a fundamental shift in the relationship and the nature of it, there has to be recourse to the person who directed you to invest his money for him. Because there has to be certainty of contract. The contract says that in six months' time, I should end this interest. Mm-hmm. And I'm not to forgo any interest on the basis of anything. Now, someone comes and says that because of the financial problems that I have with the economy, I need some of your funds to bail out the economy. Because technically what is happening is that the government wants to use your money to bail out the national economy, help bail out the national economy. You did not agree to that when you were signing the contract. So having signed a contract that specifically tells us how your funds should be managed, not in the micro details of it. Mm-hmm. And now there's a fundamental shift or a change in that position. Respectfully, my view is that if there has to be that change, necessarily there has to be, you know, communication with the people who are the original owners of the funds mm-hmm. and let them say that we want the change. If they say they do not want the change, they can liquidate their investments and walk away, or they can insist that the terms of their engagements be respected. So, so, so now I'm, this is critical because yesterday was the last day for the acceptance of the debt exchange. Mm-hmm. And as of yesterday, my fund manager had not sent anything. So if they are listening and they sent me something I didn't see, they should correct me. But I have not heard anything from them. Now, I drafted a letter mm-hmm. based on the individual bondholders, but I have not sent it yet. I'm not sure. I wrote something. I wasn't sure what to say. Mm. Because I was asking, I've given you money and you are investing the money for me. When the SEC said you should change the way you calculate my profit, you wrote to me and told me. Mm-hmm. The government is inviting you for a debt exchange. You haven't said anything to me about it, at least as for, for, for the fact that this week has come. So I don't know whether even if I send that letter preemptively, I am I am pre, I'm, I'm pre, I'm, I am prejudicing the situation because they are supposed to tell me something, at least from your reading of the situation. Mm-hmm. Or, again, the, the other view is that send the letter and they will then say, okay, Mr. Avler, if you don't want to be part of the text exchange, then 
we will put your your investment up for sale so that our reading of the situation is that we are going to offer the tech exchange. But since you say you don't want to be part of it, we will then cause you are by you are by this letter saying that we should cause a sale of your bonds and then whatever value you get for it is yours for now. Do, do you follow me? Mm-hmm. Or they should have because I, I'm not sure how they are going to proceed okay. without having said anything to me. Okay, so you see the, the, the Greece people had a similar challenge. Um but how they got around that was to go to their parliament and pass a new law which law imposed what is known as collective action clauses. Now, the imposition of a collective action clause basically meant that where you have a super majority of bondholders or people who are holding out on, on the whole idea of a debt exchange program, they say they don't want to agree with it. Where the super majority say that they want to go with it, the decision is binding on those who say they want to hold out, those who say they do not want to be a part of it. Now, if you read the Attorney General's opinion, when the Ministry of Finance sought the AG's opinion on the subject matter of what the government should do, the Attorney General sort of dealt with that, where he said that, yes, if the government intends to impose collective action clauses going forward, the law allows it. But where the imposition of that would interfere with accrued rights, which is what? The, the, the fact that your interest is due, which has to be paid. The government cannot pass a law to impose restrictions on that, to say that mm. you are not entitled to that interest because that will be in, that will be interfering in your right to property because the money that is in there in the account is your money. It is property that you own. And our constitution says that government cannot take away your property without paying prompt compensation and appropriate compensation for that matter. Mm-hmm. So if the government wants to interfere with that constitutional right, which is also globally respected, the right to own and dispose property. of property, yes. If government wants to interfere with that, there has to be respect for the law. So the Attorney General, in mm-hmm. my view, my respectful reading of, mm-hmm. of, of the situation, said that no, you cannot do this to mm-hmm. impose retrospectively as the, yeah. the Greece people did because of the constitutional nature of yeah. our position. Okay. That don't do it. Mm-hmm. So the Attorney General's view, yeah. I, I believe... The other, the other point is that some of these college investment schemes hold annual general meetings mm-hmm. where members come and discuss things. Again, I stand to be corrected. I don't, I, and, and because I'm not very, um, I don't follow my emails that much. I know the last time my CIS did a, an AGM, mm. and I'm not sure if um, the, the debt exchange was even discussed. Okay. Ah, now, and now this is worrying because if they haven't discussed the debt exchange in a, at an AGM, mm-hmm. and yesterday was the last day for accepting the debt exchange, mm-hmm. and the individual bondholders have been given new terms. Mm-hmm. Do you get me? And then the, um, you know, when the when the announcement was made for the banks, CISs were left out because the government was treating CISs as individual bondholders. So my my conclusion from that government's announcement is that whatever individual bondholders get is what CISs will get. So that means that. Collect investment schemes for members who are above 60. They will get 5 years, 15%. For members who are below 50, 59. Sorry, those who are above 59, forgive me. So 60 and above, 60 and above. will get f- f- uh, ten, uh, 5 years, 15%. For 
for those who are below 59, mm-hmm. they will get 5 years, 10%. So that suggests that the collective investment scheme will be getting these terms that are being offered to individual bondholders. Mm-hmm. Now, must the collective investment scheme hold an AGM to inform us before they accept it? Must they take a vote for the majority decision to stand? Because it's still an offer. It's either, and the, because it's, it's a voluntary thing. So if let's assume there are thousands of us on a scheme. You can hold an, 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 an AGM and say, okay, we want to broach the subject of what government is offering. How many of you want us to accept the debt exchange? 10%. How many of you want us to reject? 90%. We reject. Do you hear me? But they haven't. I, I I don't know if they held an AGM. I haven't been invited to I one. I don't think there there's there's been one. If there was one, or an extraordinary one. To, you see, you see. I, I was reading. I was reading um, one of those fine prints in one of these uh, collective. Uh, what do you call it? The the collective investment schemes. Mm-hmm. And the terms are very interesting. And you know, the difficulty with many of these things is that when you are signing them, people don't take the time to read in full detail what mm-hmm. the terms say. So for instance, this one says change of terms. I won't mention the name of, of the, the, the company, mm-hmm. but it says that that company shall have the absolute discretion to amend or supplement any of the terms and conditions at any time. Now, the company may communicate the amended terms and conditions by hosting the same on the website or in any other manner as decided by the company. Mm-hmm. And I'm amending as I go. Now, the customer shall be responsible for regularly reviewing these terms and conditions, including amendments thereto, as may be posted on the website address. Now, by continued, and this is which is this is a point that is fundamental to 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 to, to uh, for our purpose. It says by continued usage of your account and allied services, the customer shall be deemed to have accepted the chain terms and conditions, and any new terms and conditions or changes stipulated by the company. So. That is where the crux of the matter is. But you see, majority of the times, we don't read these things. So what this basically is saying in my respectful view mm-hmm. and my understanding of it mm-hmm. um, is that they, the company, reserve the right to make changes as we go. Mm-hmm. But those changes would necessarily be brought to your attention as an investor mm-hmm. through the website and they may use other sources. And therefore, if you have any reason to want to object, you object there and then by discontinuing your usage of of their services. But where you continue to use their services, you are deemed to have, in effect, ratified what they have done by reason of inserting new new clauses or making new terms within the the, the agreement as as, as previously well, formed. Is that even legal at all? <laughs> well, is it, is it, the 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 question then will be. Um, how do you test that? As I'm arguing, my argument is that if you go into a contract, you have a legitimate expectation that the terms of the contract will be respected at all times. Unless there are serious issues that arise as to make the performance of the contract impossible. Mm -hmm. Law creates exceptions for that. So force mm-hmm. majeure and all mm-hmm. these things happen. Mm-hmm. And then the law says that, okay, in those circumstances, mm-hmm. you can forego some of 
of your rights because of A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. However, if things like that don't happen, and one of the parties intends to shift the position of the contract, mm-hmm. there has to be an agreement from the other side. Mm-hmm. If the other side doesn't agree, you are going to do something that will be unilateral. Right. So, so let's come back to this. Um, when was the debt exchange announced? Um, this, I, I, it it yeah. obviously was around October. Yeah. Because I, I came back on air on 31st October or 1st November. And that was the week. Was that not the week where the debt exchange was announced? Uh, okay, let me just yeah. dig that. So I'm, what I'm trying to do is to see if there's been any extraordinary AGM for any of the collective investment schemes okay. from from it was announced on the 5th of december 2022 good yes so you know when i came on here we're talking about debt restructuring so i'm yeah. talking about ghana's debt restructuring mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so the debt was announced in december so the question you need to ask yourself if you're a member of a collective investment scheme is that between november f- december 5th and today mm-hmm. have you been invited for any extraordinary agm to discuss your your money if you have not then it means your, your CIS is acting on their own without informing you. And whether that is legal or... So there are two issues here. There's, prudent, there's legal and prudence. Mm-hmm. Something can be legal but imprudent. Okay, so the law is the basis. Now, I'm asking, even if it is legally not enjoined, if you are not legally even enjoined to hold an, a meeting to discuss this, is it prudent to take such a major decision about our money without consulting us? Do you know where I'm coming from? Mm-hmm. So I'm saying the legal one is a bit gray because of what you just read, that maybe they've, they've shielded themselves in the way they've written the terms of the, uh, what's, the what's the expression they use? They call it the... The, the terms the, and conditions. They call it the scheme particulars. Mm-hmm. So when you go for a scheme, there, there are particulars for the scheme where they will tell you that we make this choice based on da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So l- legally, they may have shielded themselves in the way they've written the law to make certain investment decisions without consulting you. But my point is that when it comes to financial prudence and due care, because again, you lawyers, you are very smart. You break things down into whether the thing is lawful or not, and whether the thing is even prudent. Mm-hmm. Whether you have been, that's why a constructive fiduciary relationship. Mm-hmm. Does the laws of financial prudence not enjoin you to say that, Mr. Mrs. Kukui, you've been on this scheme for 12 years. We have been offered a debt exchange by the government of Ghana on December 5th. We don't know what to do. What do you think? Or we are going to do it. And if, and, and if you don't want us to do it with your money, then opt out. Mm-hmm. But if we haven't told you anything, I just, there we are there, then we see, no, we bought the estate. That, that, that's strong. Uh, you see, you know, so I'm saying that the CISs, and today is 8th February, Which a day is- after the deadline. And at least for me, I haven't been contacted on this debt exchange by my CIS. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. I haven't been contacted Goku, since December 5th. No, have you? No, no. Is it? Is it? No. So this is a serious matter. You see. So, so, so the the uh, you see. I, I think that ultimately, if it comes down to it, there would have to be a major decision, perhaps at the most you know authoritative level of the judiciary, which is the Supreme Court on the matter, because some people would, of course disagree with my view on the matter and, and it's natural to have as many opinions on the subject matter as there may be mm-hmm. because some people would argue that look they are they, this these things will form part of the day-to-day administration of 
a person's investment. I disagree. The reason being that this is too fundamental, too, this is too major a shift in the nature of the contract as to entitle the people managing the funds to take that decision exclusively without recourse to the original owners of the funds. Mm. Because it is going to hurt the people's investments. They have expectations that the monies will flow at a certain rate or at a certain frequency. And where there is an intervention as to curtail how soon or how fast or how frequent they receive their 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 their, their interest and related invest on on related investments, mm-hmm. then I believe that uh, the, the, okay. the law would have okay. to. to I, do I'll come back to this. I, I'm trying to set this up for some intervention. Um, I'll see if the GSI has a position on this uh, because the individual bonders have told me what they think. They are saying. Your CIS has no right to make a decision like this without telling you. Mm. That's what uh, Yamsen told me mm. yesterday. And Mr. Hosi's view from the news suggests the same thing. So I'll see if the GSI has a view. I'll speak to a financial analyst to see if there's a view, some lawyers as well. That's our first issue. The next issue is the reshuffle, of course. Whether I can call it a reshuffle at all, we'll see. But it's 8.03, time for tech and social media trends. And it's brought to us by Carbank and Vodafone. Yes, indeed. Get free access to our short code service, star 771 hash, CalNet, and the Calbank app when you reactivate your Calbank account between now and January to stay on top of your account. Call us on 0800-500-500. Calbank, forward together. And with Vodafone, with just one Ghana CD, you can have 20 minutes of talk time to all other networks and one gigabyte of data every day between 5 a.m. and 11.59 a.m. Just dial star 530 hash to subscribe and enjoy longer conversations and browsing. Vodafone, further together. All right. So, Nathan will, will give us the uh, segment for the morning. Nathan, what's trending? Well, a number of things. <laughs> Nana Ba is trending. Charlie, it looks like there's some Twitter beef happening between Black Rasta and Nana Ba and Amwa. All of that due to the Sarkodie Stare It Up song. LeBron James is trending for those who love their basketball and sports. He became the NBA's all-time leading scorer earlier this morning. He beat, uh, he broke the record held by Karim Abdul Jabbar, who's also trending. So LeBron James is now the king, yeah. the scoring king, the king in the NBA. Mm. There are other bits in the trends, King James, Stoneboy, other things. Mm. If you go to some tech news, Zoom, everybody here knows Zoom, mm. all down to the pandemic. Now, Zoom mm. is laying off 1,300 workers. Hey, with Zoom? Zoom. The Zoom that you know, the Zoom that the Zoom that was booming in COVID. The Zoom, the Zoom has been, COVID has been Zoom now. So, anyway, so so it says the move affects about fifteen percent of its workforce, which has seen user growth slow and profits fall recently. Now, Zoom's boss Eric Yuan said he and other leaders would also take big pay cuts. Mm. As the company mm. would be focusing on making sure that it could weather the slowdown. So, <laughs> the latest entry in the COVID has gone. The money, oh, 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 she gives that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that is yes, so that was second social media trends. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag CityCBS. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation.
This is Butch Banton, and I've got something special to say with my dear friend, who is my friend. Minutes past eight, see the breakfast show. So, so many issues to clarify. Uh, the initial announcement for debt exchange, 5th December, and I think there have been like three iterations of the debt exchange offer. Initially, there were four bonds, it's now 12. Uh, individual bondholders were not part, then they became part, and now they've been offered another uh, term. The deadlines shifted a few times. Uh, final deadline was. February 6th, which was yesterday. Was it February 7th? Mm-hmm. Yesterday. Now, we are told that last night there was another extension. It's not really an extension of deadline per se, but it's more like um, a three-day administrative window. So, let's just try and get this from the Deputy Minister, Bernal Sayasari. So, what what is behind the latest extension? And then, what else can we say? Honorable Abenal Sayasari, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Bernard, and good morning to your choice. Listen. Wonderful. So, very good. So, what's the meaning of the latest extension? How different is this from the previous ones? Um, thank you very much, Bernard. Bernard, um, this is not um, necessarily an extension. Um, but um, first and foremost, let me thank the people of Ghana for the immense support that we have enjoyed from you throughout these difficult times in the history of our economy. And um, I also want to thank the individual bondholders and I mean, collectively how far we have come um, in trying to make sure that Ghana gets onto the IMS program to make things better than it is um, at, uh, uh, better than it is now. When we began this um, domestic debt exchange, initially, like you mentioned, we had just four bonds and through dialogue and engagement with many stakeholders. Uh, we had to amend the terms and conditions. And finally, um, 14th of, come 14th of February, we are bringing everything to an end. I think we are settling everything on the 14th of February. But um, when you look at the communication that went out yesterday, yeah, yesterday we were supposed to have um, closed uh, the date for submission of people who voluntarily want to be part of the domestic debt exchange. But due to one reason or the other, I mean, IT infrastructure, issues here and there, and people were not able to tender in their documentation. So what we are saying is that we are using three days from today to Friday, end of Friday, to make sure that we do all the paperwork 
and for the banks to also submit the documentation to Bank of Ghana and wherever necessary, so that come 14th of um, uh, February, that is the settlement date, that hasn't changed. It is still that date. We place everything and announce um, to all and sundry um, the program, the domestic debt program on Monday and then settle it on Tuesday. So this is not necessarily an extension, but to give some form of ring administrative window for those who could not complete the paperwork, especially the banks um, and individuals who were trying to sign on to um, all these um, the, the documentation and were not able to deliver it before 4 p.m. yesterday. So that is um, uh, what we're doing now. And it's not an extension again, but the mm. program uh, hopefully will come to an end um, on Friday and the settlement, which hasn't changed, still remains. Okay. Just a clarification for me. You know that the the memo you've been giving the investors has been changing since December five. I think you've you've amended it quite a few times following engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Would it not have been good to give an, another extension after the last because you gave the the finance minister announced the last offer to the bond individual bondholders where they are getting five years fifteen percent for those over sixty five years ten percent for those below fifty nine. That, that that was announced like a couple of days ago. Um, would it not have been good to give a few more days? Because I'm thinking of the collective investment schemes who may want to engage with their stakeholders to sort of educate them on what this means for them in order to get their buy-in. Because obviously this is a different offer than what was offered like two weeks ago. So that the 7th December, the 7th February deadline seemed a bit short after the minister's announcement a couple of days before that, don't you think? Um, thank you um, for this observation, but I must say that we did not do this in isolation. All the engagements that we have reflected in the concerns of these stakeholders. So um, it is both of us or the various stakeholders that have worked together to arrive at this. And then as we must also know that um, you know, we work within a certain time frame. The main um, objective of this domestic debt exchange is to one um provide some transparency and also to be kind cautious. Um because um we are working with time. Hopefully by March we should complete everything and then I may go to the board and then we also know the outcome of uh, our commitment or we, we will know whether um, yes we have been successful in working on the program or not. The time is of the essence and we have worked with them throughout. And these are uh, what we, the final outcome that we saw the minister announce last week are as a result of um, close engagement that we've had with um, with these stakeholders. So um, they are part and parcel of it. So it is not anything new to them. They are part and parcel of it. And together we have arrived at um, um, a, a consensus, I must say, that will, um, will have some... Um, I, I really don't know how to put it, but we have arrived at um, uh, a place where we feel um, government has given in to quite a number of their suggestions, and also at the same time, we're also looking at its impact on mm. the economy mm. and not making the economy. Um, no, I, I get that. I, I, I get that government has made amendments to the offer, and obviously it's up to the 
investors to decide to agree or not. I was asking whether the latest offer, which we all, in fact, Mr. Hussey said that offer was better than the previous offer, whether there was enough time. You're saying that because this has been in engagement, the announcement may not should not be a surprise to the bondholders. But we see that the, and I'm using the collective investment scheme as an example, some of them may want to consult their members to educate them before they accept. Some may not. But the, day, the days may be short. And again, the pensioner individual bondholders are still picketing at the ministry. So obviously, the new terms you are offering them is still not acceptable to them. So we saw Mr. Duan and Yenchi and Co. yesterday at the, at the, at the ministry. So the, sort of my last question in that area is, so is it that March is really the deadline because of the IMF program? And therefore, it's almost impossible to extend from 7th February anymore. That by first March we should finish everything. Is, is that is the IMF board meeting the main so, um, time constraint? Menard, no, it is not. It is, it is not that. But um, we must always know that whatever it is, we within a time frame. Just like the budget, we need to pass the budget within a certain time frame, and we cannot continue. I mean, just an open-ended, uh, make it open-ended. At a point in time, we will have to conclude and move on to the next stage. And we all know that time is of the essence in all these things. This, and I'm saying again that this is nothing new. This is as a result of the continuous engagement we've had with these bondholders. So given we have given them some time on um, yesterday, luckily for us, uh, we've we been able to also give another three-day administrative window. Quickly, I believe that we let's work within this time frame and make sure that we are able to do this and for the interest of the nation, it is it now it is not about um, how I am feeling, how we are feeling, but collectively, what can we do to get ourselves out of the situation in which we have found ourselves now? These are the steps that we believe we can take. We have been transparent, we have um, discussed, we have listened, we have inputted your feedback. This is where we are. This is the time frame that we believe we, we should work with and make sure that we meet certain deadlines that we believe will result in some positive outcomes for us. So um, that is it. Bernard, I think um, so right from the 5th of uh, December when it was announced, um, with the first date being 19th, and then we extending it again to the 16th and 31st, and then bringing it to the 7th and giving some administrative window of three days, so we end everything on Friday and settle on 14th of February 2023. I think um, if um, you all bear with me, is a good and ample enough time mm-hmm. after having factored in everything that we need to factor in. We mm. cannot get it all right that if majority of what we are doing, to a large extent what we are doing, will get us to the mm. situation where um, we can get the economy up and running again. Mm. I think that is what we should mm. just, just finally, Abna, have you what percentage have you gotten? Because the minister said you are looking for 80%. Yeah. And yesterday was the deadline. So even yeah. with that administrative window, at least you should know whether you are close yeah. to the 80 or not. Are you able to give us an insight into whether you are close to achieving your objective or not? Um, uh, I cannot give the exact, but um, with the administrative window, we are hoping to, to hit it. But um, yesterday, after yesterday, when um, we decided to extend and give that, um, give that administrative window, we have done about 50%. Okay, about 50%. Yes, sir. Good. Is there um, a specific threshold beyond which you need? The 80 may have been conservative. So if you get, say, 60, 
Can the exchange still go ahead? Can the program still go on? Uh, um, Bernard, let's wait and, um, and, and, and get the total amount um, um, by case of Friday. But we are hopeful because I believe that we all want our economy to get better. We want to move from where we are to a situation where um, inflation rates can come down again. The exchange rate um, compared to the other foreign currencies will be relatively stable and the markets will start working again. The economy will start I mean, uh, moving and working again. And so um, let, let's let's all work together and make sure this this, this happens. And I believe that Ghanaians have listened and Ghanaians have supported, and that is why we see that level of we have already seen that level of contribution as far as 4 p.m. yesterday, and we are hoping um, for the best. Thank you, Honourable Abunawasayasari, Deputy Finance Minister, uh, explaining why there was a three-day administrative extension and why the deadline itself cannot be extended, hinting that the IMF deal is a key part of this, though she doesn't really admit that, but we got that from the interview. March is key for the IMF program. And then about 50% they've gotten, but they will know by Friday whether they've reached the 80 or not. So those are three key points from there. So now I I want to go back to the point I was making. So you know what's confusing me now? So I, I am very sure that my my Collective Investments Scheme did not get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. They haven't asked me anything about the debt mm-hmm. exchange. A listener said <clears throat> his uh, company yeah. mm-hmm. got in touch with him okay. and uh, <clears throat> and they had a discussion. Indeed, if you can bring my phone, it's, it's the person texted and said, well, there was a meeting, It was there was a Zoom meeting and we were told about the debt exchange and we were giving some forms to whether I would like it or not type of thing. And she mentions the name of the, he mentions the name of the company, I don't want to mention, but it's a collective investment scheme in Ghana. I'm not a customer of that one. So some, so it means that somebody has done it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you get me? In fact, there are a number of messages. Uh-huh. So, so that. some have done it, some have not done it. So mm-hmm. the question is, why are those who have not done it not doing it? <laughs> now let's, let's, let's pick some views on this. And Sky is also reviewing the SEC regulations around mutual funds, unit trust and collective investment schemes. So he will pull what he can from there. And listeners, we are doing this as we go, so forgive us. It's, it's like the way the government is doing the debt exchange. We are doing it piece, piece. <laughs> so now let me speak to, um, what's his name now? What's his name now? Give me a minute. Richmond. I'm trying to get a full name, Fred. <laughs> Just give me a minute. So yes, he's, um, he, Richmond Kwame Frimpong, a financial advisory consultant who is the author of Good Money Habits in Bad Economic Times with over 20 years' experience in financial markets. Uh, Mr. Frimpon, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks, Bernard. So, wh- where do you stand on this this issue of whether my collective investment scheme can, on their own, accept a debt exchange without asking we, the members, without asking us, the members? What do you think? Okay, so, good morning, Bernard. So, where we have gotten to really, I mean, as a nation and in the financial market, uncharted. Because if you even go through our history, in terms of how investments have evolved, this particular terrain we are in now are uncharted. And so we must all be guided by what we do, both on the regulator side and then even the players, the capital market operators. Now, the, the securities market is guided by the, the SEC Act, 
And that sex act indicates or prescribes a number of things for unit trusts or mutual funds or altogether we call them the collective investment schemes. Now, anytime you are buying a collective investment scheme, the act, one of the things the act even points you to is what we call the scheme particulars. And it points you to that because it is the scheme particulars that summarizes the universe of the things you must be guided by. And I'll talk about just two of those items. One is the investment objective. And the investment objective looks at the asset classes, i.e. the things that that particular collective investment scheme, be it a unit trust or a mutual fund, is supposed to be buying or is supposed to be investing. And then beyond that, it also talks about target allocation. So if, for example, my investment objective is to do capital preservation, and another person's investment objective is to do um, income growth, then based on these two different objectives, I will be guided by the scheme particular to decide what I buy and the kind of risk I'm exposed to. So it is a scheme particular that will tell, say, a pensioner to buy an X fund or a university student to buy a Y fund so that the scheme particular will tell you that you will be buying so-so-and-so percentage of, say, equities and you will be buying that percentage of, say, commercial paper. So if the scheme particular points you to a direction and gives you, say, an assurance in this exchange conversation and says that this fund you are buying gives close to zero risk and it takes about 80% of every contribution and distributes it into a class that buys zero shares and buys a certain number of bonds, maybe 10%, 20%. The conversation here is that at any time, T, when the outcomes of the guidance of the scheme particular, which guided me on investment objective, which guided me on the target allocation, which guided me on the investment restructuring, that is also seated in the second regulation. If there is any variation, then if for nothing at all, even not to talk about legalities, it behoves on the fund manager that is playing a fiduciary responsibility to come back to the platform where all these people we call shareholders contributing to ownership in terms of the fund to now bring them to speed on the variation, particularly in a time where we really all are taken by surprise based on the exigencies of the time. Because we've not charted this before. Take a look at the investment application forms of all these mutual funds that are being affected by this. And when you pay attention to them, in addition to the scheme particular, the ones that are short-term instruments, the ones that are money market instruments, most of them are educating and pointing to the fact of either close to zero or no risk. So if you pick a queue from that declaration form or the application form, and you take a second look at the scheme particularly, and you bought a money market instrument, be it a, a collective, be it a mutual fund or be it a, a unit trust, and now there's a significant variation that is going to go against the target allocation, that is going to go against the investment objective. And now it gets to a point where we move from the NAV calculation to market. For nothing at all, something is changing. And for us as a nation and for an industry to hold the heart of the whole culture of investment and saving, it, if for nothing at all, every fund manager must do well to engage, even if it's not... Um, at an annual general meeting. There could be an extraordinary general meeting or a platform where you walk your people through 
and get them to appreciate whether they don't take that decision or not, rather than to just walk over this conversation. Like but what, what if they say it's a fiduciary responsibility? I am the expert here. I have a holistic view of the situation in a sense that not only do I understand the terms of the offer of the exchange, but I also know whether government will pay or not, even if they don't, if I fail to accept the exchange. And I understand all the legalities. So trust me to make the decision for you, and then I'll explain later. That is a fair point to make, but you make that argument in the presence of the shareholders or the contributors. So you convince them to come on board with you. But when you don't bring them to speed to say, this is what we are confronted with, and this is what we think, based on the expertise and the fees you pay us for this work we do, this is the direction we want to take, and these are the potential consequences. Mind you, if, for example, I bought a money market fund today, and you read their scheme particulars, and you sign the investment application form, there is no indication anywhere that I can buy a particular money market fund and for nothing at all, I will not have capital preservation. No. If for nothing at all, they, they promise or guarantee to a certain extent a capital preservation and then liquidity for money market instruments that are collecting investment schemes. So, yes, we are on, in, in, in uncharted t- times. That is fair. But the least you can do is not to say because um, I'm playing a fiduciary responsibility, I know what to do. Well, you knew what to do when we have gotten to where a place where the promise or the the, the seeming guarantee hasn't turned out the way it should be. That means there can be a time that you may also be excused for taking the decision you say we should leave you to do that you may not be able to explain. That is why even if for nothing at all as an industry, because if you are not careful, the trust of believing in what investment can do or cannot do would be lost in the entire financial ecosystem. And when that is lost, we can never go back any day to promise anybody that this is what you have to do. And no one will trust your scheme, particular investment form. Already, and I'm saying it for nothing at all, that is what the whole industry must strive to say, by going back and engaging the contributors. Mm. What is interesting is that whilst we have been on air, some people have said to me, some listeners said, and I'm going to read the message without the name, Bernard, uh, I have been contacted by my CIS. They sent a consent letter offering us opportunity of choice. And then... I asked him which company. He mentions the name of the company. I don't think I will mention it on air. Then he said, I asked, how did they do it? So they held online sessions. They educated us and allowed us to ask questions, clarify the matter to gather decisions. Then I asked, um, when was this? And then the person says, prior to the first deadline. So it means that in December, when the, so this is before January 5th, I think. So this person says their collective investment scheme company held online sessions and educated them and also gave them the opportunity of choice. I guess it's the kind of thing you are talking about that all of them should do. Yes and no. So here, this is great. You are bringing each individual contributor to speed. That is what must be done first and foremost. But beyond that, there is a place where you need a certain block. Because if, for example, I bought... It's difficult not using the fund t- the fund names, but you can also expose the funds like that. If I bought a certain fund that is supposed to be a money market collective investment scheme, ideally you are expecting that about 80% of the contributors are people who bought it because of the investment objective, i.e. they want to preserve their principal and they want regular income, liquidity. So they're a group of people, and anytime it is being varied, 
you need a block to vote on that matter. You cannot just pick one individual because they don't just buy the, the instrument. They don't buy the instrument. They buy the units of that fund shares that invest in the particular product or investment instrument or an asset class. And so you can't take an individual you have enlightened or breathed and his decision to say that that is a reflection of the entire asset class that you are going to take on it. You are going to take on the asset class. That is why just engaging the people on, on in the instance you have just cited may not be enough. There should be an emergency annual general meeting where there is a representation. And after this conversation, if possible, there is a vote so that it becomes a reflection of what the variation is supposed to be. I tell them to say, because if I have 300,000 people on a scheme, and all those 300,000 people took a decision because of these two investment objectives that the scheme particular prescribes. And you speak to 10 of them online. And those 10 people say they appreciate that. And based on that, you say you are going to go ahead with them. You can't just go and pick only the units in the entire collective investment scheme asset classes they are buying for them because that is not how it is done. It is bought and blocked, and then they share their returns or otherwise for everybody, depending on the units they have. So, 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 so it must be a majority decision. No, I'm, the, the, no the, what the, the message I sent to you said that they were all contacted. So he's not saying that they contacted he alone. I think there was a meeting, like a Zoom meeting, where they were told what was going on. And then they were asked to whether to opt out or opt in. And this is somebody reporting to me what they did. I need to also tell that most of the listeners are saying they've not been contacted. So this may be an exception. People who, who invest in some of the major ones have not said they've been contacted. I have not been contacted. And my, 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 my investment bank is a major one in the system. They haven't told me anything about the debt exchange. The last AGM they had was somewhere in December or something or September or something. So anyway, I will, I will take your point and throw your questions to Kise Antonio. So thank you, uh, Richmond. Kise, Kise is the immediate past president of the Ghana Security Industry Association. And we've been speaking to him about this. So he's, he knows, he knows these things. Um, Kise, are you there? Good morning. Yeah, good morning. I, I'm sure I've called you out of some board meeting or something. Forgive me. I yeah. need, I need, I need your help this morning because okay. a couple of uh, things. Hold on, I'm guessing just one second. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Good. So you know, let me let me just let me just give the context. The the the, yeah. the debt exchange terms have been varied a few times from okay. from December five. When it was first announced, there have been like three or four iterations of various offers, even to individual bondholders. That's number one. Number two, yeah. from the communication of the minister and from the GSIA, we members of collective investment schemes are being treated like individual bondholders. So indeed, in the January 27 and the February 2 press releases, we were told that members of collective investment schemes should wait for the offer that will be given to individual bondholders. So the assumption is that what was offered to the individual bondholders is what would pertain to we, the CIS people. That's exactly. second point. Now, third point is, to the extent that the debt exchange is government asking me to accept new terms for an original agreement that we held. Now, based on my conversation with Richmond, he's saying that there are investment objectives. Some people may want regular income and therefore they are looking at interest some people may look at holding my principal at a certain level based on the the investment decision if there's a debt exchange it is a major junction in the life of the fund that requires re-engagement and therefore 
we the members of the scheme ought to be informed and if not even consent sought educated on what the options are and what the scheme intends to do with our money that's the, that's what he says i don't know whether he is right do you agree with him or do you want to qualify that yeah, interesting i guess this is um this is a topic which evokes a lot of emotions um i mean yes um i'll agree to an extent that um it is great to engage um investors of this collective investment scheme however i think um in making these decisions um one should not also forget that um, it is these collective investment scheme managers that have a fiduciary responsibility towards these investors. And uh, in as much as it will be good to engage them, I might be a bit controversial here. One does not necessarily have to seek their views to subscribe into the exchange. And I'll, I'll, I'll say why I believe so in a second. But um, I still think that, you know, one can engage them and let them know they're happening. Now, why do I say that one might not necessarily have to seek their views as to why they subscribe to the exchange? You know, like I said, these managers have the fiduciary responsibility and have the discretion. Mm, the key word is discretion. To manage the schemes as they see fit in the best interest of these investors. Now, we all know that when managers are looking to purchasing or exiting any security or entering or exiting any asset class for that matter, they do not call a meeting to seek the views of their investors. They do not, okay? Uh, that's not discounting the fact that this is something key where you know, this debt exchange is something key where one might need to engage and educate them as to the way forward. But, you know, every fund manager, and I think I listened to the tail end of, is that Richmond's? Uh, yes, Richmond. Um, yes, uh, submission, where he was saying, talking about the strategy of these managers and capital preservation, liquidity. Yes, I mean... That is great. So for fund managers to make these decisions, it's usually a function of whatever strategy they are embarking on. And and yes, liquidity is very key. I mean, we all know the challenges these collective investment scheme managers have faced. I mean, I was in your studio, I believe, once. I think we've had one or two phone uh, interviews. So for a lot of these managers, liquidity is going to be key. And I'm not here to speak for any manager, because uh, based on my interactions with different managers, uh, they're taking different decisions as they see fit. Now, when we talk about liquidity, you know, um, fund managers do not exclusively look at coupons being offered. Okay? I know a lot of the conversation is, hey, I was getting X, percent, now you're giving me X minus 5% or X minus whatever percent. No. We just do not look at uh, the coupon being offered. Now, when it comes to liquidity, who are the biggest players in the market when it comes to the trading of these instruments? 
It is the bank. It is the insurance company. It is the pension fund. And, of course, then the securities company. Okay? Now, if you look at the banks, uh, if you look at the constituents, these uh, industries I've spoken about, the biggest players in the secondary market are the banks. Um, I think we all saw um, some circular from the central bank, I think, was it in December, where it was said that, you know, banks who will want to get support from the liquidity window, you know, and then in calculating their solvency ratios, what have you, there will be a 100% risk weighting applied to the exit uh, bonds, which are the new bonds being offered. And I think there's going to be a 0% risk weighting uh, towards uh, the exit bonds. I mean, the old bonds are the legacy bonds, okay? So just based on that, you know that you have a big chunk of capital being pulled away from the secondary market. Um, at least as of this morning, um, I do not think anything has been finalized with the pension funds. Um, I hear talks are still ongoing, so it's anybody's guess as to what will transpire from those talks. With insurance companies, um, I don't know whatever regulatory or forbearance forbearance measures are being put in place by the, by the NIC and how these bonds are going to be treated. So for a fund manager, um, a fund manager will look at all these things and decide that, okay, if I decide to hold on to these legacy bonds, we all know that these guys might not potentially be in the market. How liquid are they going to be? And let's not forget that, you know, the liquidity or otherwise of any security has a bearing on the price. So if, and price, as we all know, I mean, for anyone who studied economics, is a function of demand and supply. So if there's a huge chunk of demand, potential demand for these securities being taken away, it could potentially have an impact on the price of this security. Now, if people are going to be trading in the exit bond, that could positively have an impact, even though maybe the coupons being offered, looking at, you know, uh, the inflation rates, returns on other government securities. I mean, there's been a lot of debate as to what discount rates to use to get the value of these new bonds as and when they start trading. But obviously, mm. if you get the IMF in... Uh, okay, Kise, let me, let me yeah, sort of okay. narrow it down. Okay. My understanding of the issue with uh, this and what uh, Richmond is trying to say is that the investment particular, the investment objective or strategy of any uh, product depends. So, for example, give an example. Data Bank has M Fund, right? Mm-hmm. And then they have EPAC. So, EPAC is an equity mutual fund. It doesn't guarantee returns, but M Fund is looking at capital preservation. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you look at the debt exchange and what it's offering. What it could mean for the M fund could be negative returns, as an example. Now, he's saying that because it's such a fundamental... So, if they accept the debt exchange, it will be a fundamental shift in the promise that you made to the people who went for M fund and not EPAC. And so, you cannot accept the debt exchange without having an engagement to say, guys, 
the fundamental promise of this particular product, and sorry, I'm using data bank as an example. The fundamental promise of this was capital preservation, but because of the economic circumstance and the debt exchange offer, there will be negative returns. Now you can't negative returns will not be the capital preservation, right? So you and and so this is not a regular fiduciary case where you can say I am managing the fund on the basis of the agreed object the agreed strategy and objective. But he's saying that because the debt exchange is such a fundamental shift and such an uncharted territory, whether you are E-Fund or M-Fund or EPAC or uh, EDC's, um, what they call that one, EDC's mm-hmm. fixed income fund, you have to engage the people and say the fundamental terms of our understanding, the strategy we are going to use is going to vary if we go for the debt exchange. So, at least give them a chance to say, opt out individually. That is, maybe let me sell. But to just accept the debt exchange and say that because I have a financial responsibility and I have, I have more information, I'm going to decide for you, it's, it's, it's not on. And I, I tend to, I, I think there's a lot of sense in what you're saying. No, Bernard, what do you say? Are you saying that, what, so individuals should sell or what? Well, at least let people decide what they want because the government has always said no, that the debt ex- hold on the government has always said the debt ex- is voluntary so they are not saying that there's a gun to your head and indeed if you read attorney general's memo he's very clear that you cannot unilaterally vary the collective action clauses so he's basically saying it has to be voluntary throughout now i know practically 150,000 people cannot come and vote on zoom and say do this or do that but if you are going to take a decision for all of us at least give us a chance to say 10% of the people say they don't, they don't agree, they will explore what they do. Right? But to say that because there's a debt exchange and because there's no time, I'm going to agree for all of you without giving you the chance to influence the decision in any way, that, 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 is, that is not on. No. Bernard, I said you can engage, but I qualified that, okay? Um, that, yes, and it's true, the managers have that discretion. Okay, but um, yes, it's good to engage. But the fact that um, I'm going to subscribe to a debt exchange, and I'm not saying advising anyone to subscribe or not. I think we need to make that clear. But the fact that maybe I'm subscribing and uh, another party is not subscribing does not make that party not subscribing uh, susceptible to negative returns as well. So, I mean, like I said, things need to be looked at in a holistic manner. Okay. Um, yes, it's good to engage. It's always, and I think a lot of these um, collective investment schemes they do engage uh, their clients on a periodic basis from time to time, okay? Um, some send fact sheets, they let them know what's happening on a monthly basis, and there are times uh, they hold virtual sessions for these people to know what's going on. So, yes, it's great to engage, and I think I'll encourage fund managers to engage their clients. But when it comes to the decision-making, I think that is where we need to be careful. Uh, mm. It's important that we don't open the floodgates for now investors to be telling us what to buy and what not to buy. Fund managers are paid to do that. They have a discretion. But you said this is not what to buy and what not to buy. So, this is the, there's a difference yeah, between what to buy so, versus... <laughs> Let fund managers to make their decisions and engage with their clients and let them know that 
based on this or that, we think this is the path to follow. If they disagree, and look, we need to know that whatever decision, whatever decisions are made, there are potential consequences. Okay, so once that is clearly spelled, and maybe they have these meetings, and like in your view, they make those decisions, then we all live with our consequences, or upside if there are any from these decisions we make. But, but, but you, see, you see, the reason, sorry, I'm pressing, the, the reason why I feel that, you see, what the DDEP, the way you perceive the DDEP will determine whether you think you should engage or not. Now, from my limited legal view, I think because the DDEP is a fundamental shift in the investment ag- arrangement, there, there ought to be engagement of some level with the investors. Now, that could have then meant that when the Minister of Finance announced, for example, the final terms for the individual bondholders, we could have said, look, give us a week or two for our CIS fund managers to engage their customers. Because now you've given us a firm offer. You are saying 15%, five years for people above 60, 10%, five years for those below 60. This is a firm offer. You gave it to us two days ago. You cannot then say in two days we should make an agreement. Some of us have 100,000 clients. At least we should explain to them what it means. Do you get me? Because I even think that that, that shields the collective investment scheme. Because if 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 Mr. Kisser has met his people and said, look, this is what the, the guys are offering, and this is our reasoning behind going for it, and then they, at least you've explained the decision. So if something goes wrong, you've shielded yourself. But if you just decide on your own to go and accept it, when the government says it's, it's not volunt- it's not compulsory, you are putting yourself in more danger, are you not? Um, well, look, you need to engage that one, but you also don't need to run away from your responsibility as a fund manager. Okay, I think you've left it. We'll leave it like that. <laughs> you need to engage. I'll leave it like that. Thank no, you, Kisei. Engage, but do your work as a fund manager um, and let them know what um, the potential consequences of either subscribing or not subscribing. And then um, I think um, it's my view that fund managers should make that decision. Mm. Okay? Um, you can decide, and nothing stops you two from. Um, uh, engaging with your uh, clients and let them vote as to what path they decide to take. I mean, mm-hmm. I, for me, that would be mm-hmm. an application of your duties as a fund manager, though. But I think there's also one thing we need to clarify. You know, these collective investment schemes, uh, some of them, the mutual funds are, you know, entities on their own, okay? Uh, the unit trusts are uh, trust schemes, okay? Um at times, it is made as if, look, uh, Bernard can uh, decide that, as for me, I don't want it. And he say, can say, I want it. The, the collective investment scheme can only make one decision, which will cover every investor. I think that... Yeah, but, but Bernard can... But Bernard can, is, so, but Bernard can decide when to exit. But Bernard can decide yeah. when to... Even though it's a collective investment yeah. scheme, Bernard can decide yeah. when Bernard he wants to exit individually. When to exit. And I'm saying that based on that and understanding, that have to exit prior to the exchange. Yeah, but I'm saying that so so that, mm-hmm. and I'm stretching this, but because Bernard can exit on his own, there's a balance between collective uh, decisions and individual choices. Okay, so anyway, so your point is the the, the fund manager's responsibility is to take action for the collective. 
if Bernard doesn't agree with that action, Bernard can exit. But the question is, yes. was Bernard but informed? Right. But, but was Bernard informed that he was you were going to take that action, which will affect me when I when I leave when I want to leave? Do you understand? Because I can decide to leave no, today. So, so you're saying the fund manager has to make a decision for all of us. I'm not fighting with that. But I'm yeah. saying that if the fund manager wants to make that decision, at least I should be informed that you are making that decision so I'll know whether I want to stay or leave. But if I only get to know after you've made the decision that you've, you've made the decision of accepting the debt exchange, then you've mm-hmm. impaired my ability to make a good decision for myself. Which is going back to saying, yes, you made the decision, but at least inform me that you are making the decision. Yeah, I guess one could argue that. Okay, we'll leave it there. Thank you, Kise Antonio, former president of GSIA. We called him out of some meeting to enter. Let me end with Senor Hussi. Sorry, I'm pushing this, but I really need to clarify. The Senor Hussi is now the, of course, the convener of the Independent uh, Individual Bondholders Forum. It's 8:53. Let me see what I can get out of him. Senor, we've spoken to Richmond, uh, uh, Richmond, who says you have to engage your individual bondholders within a collective investment scheme before you decide to opt for or not. Uh, Kisei says you, you, it's a decision of the fund manager to make a decision on behalf of the fund and yet you can engage but this is for the fund manager. That's his job. So he has to make a decision whether to accept the D, DDP or not. Uh, what, what, what do you say? Um, one, everybody must realize that we are not in normal time. It is the interest of the customer that must prevail at all times. Now, fund managers have limits to what kind of decisions they can take and not take. So let's get that clear. It also depends on what collective investment scheme that you have. For mutual funds, they are treated as companies. And the board has full responsibility for delivering the interest of the shareholders. The fund manager is just like management. So the fund manager reports to the board of the mutual fund. For the unit trust, and that's where you find most of the money market funds, you really have actually some, uh, it's a trust. So the trusts are represented by trustees. And often you may find a bank also that's a trustee. That trustee must represent the interest of the customer. In times like this that are not normal times, you must find a mechanism to go back and engage your customers. Let them know the status of affairs and seek guidance. For the major banks, under this current circumstance, the boards have met their major shareholders. So for, for a mutual fund or a money market fund in particular, most of these money market funds are actually promising short-term investment as a chunk of the portfolio. When you go and sign the DDE, you have reprofiled the whole structure of your fund. That is a major variation of what the fund now becomes. You can't say you are not going to the shareholders, who in this case are the customers. So the fund managers must necessarily go to the trustees to seek consent as to whether they should tender or not. The trustees don't represent themselves. They represent their customers. And we may see major legal suits if people misbehave around these things. The trustees must also go to their customers or their people they represent through an EGM. Let them know that we first came saying that we are doing short-term funds. Now, there's a policy on paper with an option for us to partake. You share your technical view. If we accept it, it 
is actually going to change the profile of the fund as you originally envisaged and actually participated. So you cannot change the purpose of the company without going to the shareholders. You cannot change the focus of the fund without going to the shareholders. So please, fund managers, be guided. If not, you will be at the sorry end of this story and there will be nobody to bail you out. These are people's money. You must respect it. And the IDF will represent the interests of individuals who have holdings also in the CIS. Your job as a fund manager is to share your professional opinion that you think that we should go A, B, and C. Educate them. And I've seen some companies like Tesla Capital who have done like two or three webinars for their customers on it. I'm still yet to see any clear decision-making process where you actually officially take the position of, of, um, of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the customers. So educate them and let them make decisions as they will make for themselves. It is accurate that just like a country, we are collective. We cannot individually select our president and have different presidents for our own self. It is what we all end up voting for. That now becomes the representation of the interest. So you go there, and when people tell you what they believe, then it tells you that the owners of the fund as of the time of that decision subscribe to this decision or not. So people okay. should be let, let me just get, no let, me, let, let, let me get this clear. You distinguish between mutual funds and unit trust, and you are saying that for mutual funds, they are treated as corporate entities. Yes. So for that one, the possibility of engagement and the necessity is not the same as for a unit trust. The process is different because then when you have a board, as a fund manager, you go to the board. Whatever directive the board gives you is what you follow. But the board itself must exercise that fiduciary responsibility of going also to the members who are the shareholders to seek their consent, let them know that this is it. And we have to make a decision. This is what we think we should make. But when we make this, it may have X or Y implications. Let them give you blessings. Don't you unilaterally mm. So, 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 just, just because, so for the, for the mutual fund, the fund manager protects himself by going to the board. The yeah. board does what is right by going to the members. And then, yeah. whatever the members say, the board uses their wisdom to implement that. But for the unit, well. the unit trust, you say they should go through the trustees. They go to their trustees. The problem is that the trustees that will be having are the academic trustees. They just collect money in this particular instance because they don't really do anywhere. They don't provide any 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 technical analysis and give to any customer. So just coordinate and make sure the processes are done. So they've actually been there more informed than in substance. But this is a calling that their essence of the money they have been collecting. This is the calling that they have. So the, when the fund manager comes to you for approval, I know for sure that yesterday two, uh, what do you call it, two major funds went to their uh, trustees asking for, asking not to, to tender a particular part of fund, of their funds. The trustees turned them down. I know one when they said, I won't tender, and the trustee agreed. But that trustee is saying that don't tender. Has he gone to the customer? Who are, who are the people he represents? He hasn't. And then he goes to take a decision. That changes the fundamental structure of the fund. That is a breach of their fiduciary responsibility. And they will be in trouble. Very clearly, they will be in trouble. Because they're not even making rational decisions, making emotional decisions. So people should sit down, follow the process, respect your customer, because it is their money. But what, what, what if their money. argument is that between D December 5th and February 8th, which we are talking... There's been about four different um, 
offers on the table from the, the government. The memos have been changing. So it is only probably up, up until the last week that we know exactly the final offer government is making to individual bondholders. And then that offer had like three days of shelf life before the deadline, which was yesterday. So they could say, theoretically, we could have wanted to do that, but practically, we were not given enough time to engage, and therefore we the had to, to do this. The only mandate we have is actually to prostitute the defined mandate of the fund. So if you, you're having a fund that is supposed to be a money market fund, that doesn't expose itself to longer-term funds. And you have to live by that. Then it means that the vote you DGA, that changes the profile. Then you can't go. But if DGA fits within it, that may change your commercial issues or your legal issues, then yes, that's fine. And you go back and tell them we didn't have time. But you don't go and change the fundamental essence of a poor company as a manager. It is a shareholder's decision. You won't get it ratified. You'll be in trouble. If anybody gets injured in its economic interest, you are in trouble. So for that one, it means you do nothing. But if you want to do something, that actually changes the fundamental structure of the fund, like a money market fund going into DDT. Because money market, you do short-term papers, one-year notes, um, treasury bills, um, cocoa bills. You do um, commercial papers. M- most of them are like that. And maybe you have a certain percentage that goes outside of one year. Now, government says we are giving you five years. And we are giving you five years with a flexibility to maintain the coupon rates anytime. As a, as a matter of fact, I think there was a memo yesterday changing again the DDE that you saw on Friday. So that we have a new DDE, just in case most people don't know. There's a new DDE in town. Well, government is trying to improve some of the legal issues that we have, we were, we've been raising. But still, the key critical one, which is the immunity, is still there. So that one, if they are hearing, please go and fix it, and people can start looking at you. You can't go and change the fundamental of the structure of the fund with, with the mandate that you currently have. Most of the fund managers don't have that mandate. So they have to necessarily go back to their customers. Mm. And it's not difficult. You call an EGM, but at least the effort is there. There's record in there. This day, but has the, has, the, has the horse not bolted? Because the deadline for accepting the offer was yesterday. Oh, they've extended it for administrative reasons, but I, mean, I know it's not administrative. The challenge that they have is the participation. That is the problem. So I don't think administrative. I don't, look, I've told you, um, Koku, I don't, I'm not against the DD. I do not think that you should rather, um, I am against the inclusion of individuals in the DD. It's as simple as that. Because of the economic implications, the, the, the social implications, I don't find it policy prudent to have that done any day. Any day. It's not something you do. And they are not necessary for the success of this program. We've had 50%. This 50% is coming mainly from the banks and the central government and the central bank. These are where the, this almost 50% is coming from, nowhere else. As at last night, one of the banks, major banks, had, had not yet tended or, or accepted the, to sign on to the DD. And it was for that reason that it was difficult for, for government to say, I am closing. But mm. some other funds are also getting in. I know some of the long-term funds, like the balance funds, they are very long-term in nature. So when you give them 5%, 10% for five years, you are not changing any fundamental. Yeah, okay, yes. So is the yes. short term, is the, is the money market thing that is the real issue here? The money market thing is the real issue. So if you followed our town hall, when we run the analysis of the current DDA, our recommendation was that 
especially the time, the money market, to refrain from accepting the DDEs. If you want to change that, please go to your shareholders who are the customers and let them take that decision. Educate them as a fund manager. Your, your professional opinion for manager one and manager two may be different. All right? But let the people make the decision because they are changing the fundamental structure of what they came in with. But for the other ones that the balance funds like EPAC or the Tesla Future Fund, even though these are mutual, mutual funds, which ideally it will be it is out of courtesy and good governance practice, ethical, that you consult them, at least the DD still fits within the, the general framework of their operation, which is in the prospectus. But if you don't have that kind of mandate of going to a long-term arrangement, and you decide to tighten liquidity, you are a joke. You are going to create problems for your company. You are going to also create problems for people's lives. And that is not something that should be countenance. The issue about liquidity that uh, 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 Kisel raised is not absolutely the case. We have pension funds who are allowed to hold on to these bonds. We have individuals who are also allowed to hold on to these bonds. The pension fund itself is flowing in about $6 billion a year on the privately managed pension fund. What is the total size of the CISs today? The total size combined is around five point something. Not just about maybe maybe shy of six billion. So what are we talking about? If you look at the fixed income portion of it, it is a fraction of the pension fund's contribution. And pension funds are always looking for high returns. So what kind of story are we talking about liquidity? Then maybe the fund managers need a bit more training. <laughs> because the market opportunities are there, which means we have to structure ourselves. But God, I mean, he says it's right when he talks about about the fact that the banks are going to be shying away from holding the asset because of what Bank of Ghana is doing, which I believe is very illegal. But it is another way to coerce people into coming to the DDE. When hmm. the DDE is over, I expect them to do the right thing. Okay. You cannot 100% risk a paper issued by the same issuer and 0% risk um, rate another one. When they are doing risk rating, you risk rate the issuer. You don't go and risk rate a paper. Mm. And what is the basis for arbitrarily 100% risking the, the, the old bond? You can't do that. Mm. You can't do that. There's no basis. It's just regulatory arbitrariness. Maybe because of the indication they get from the the government about the ability to this, pay. No, 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 no. This one is something that, look, unfortunately, our central bank has, has become a fair extension of the fiscal space. The fact that is not the reason. The minister has told everybody that he will pay. The truth of the matter is that we have a crisis, and I think that the bank should participate. And I think that we could have found other ways to do it than trying to use Russian tactics. It's okay. But then it needs to be resolved. When it is resolved, I believe the central bank will do the right thing. Otherwise, they'll be facing legals to use themselves. Okay. I just want so that to. One, that, I, 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 I want to. I want to just say that I dissociate myself from your Russian comment. Seeing as the Russian, the Russian foreign minister is in Mali, it's not too far away. I, I, I heard you, you are very right. Before the issue was up here, why not, Kuku? Why not, Kuku? People have raised the issue about trust. Do I trust? I don't trust the government. I don't know what to do. It's very simple. This is a pure uh, game theory, a decision tree. When you don't trust somebody you're entering a contract with, don't you go for a contract that makes it very tight for the person to not to breach? You don't trust the guy, so your contract must be tight. 
you have to make sure that you have all the remedies to optimize your rights and your obligations in the contract. When you look at the old and the new, the only one that gives you that is the old bonds. Then you come to the second round. If I trust government, if you trust government, then you should trust what Kenoforiata and John Kuma have said, that government will pay. But we're talking to individuals, not banks. So banks, please, don't intend that. So you carry all of us along. <laughs> you have stopped small. Let's just help All right, thank so, you. Thank you for that. Senor Hussi's view, uh, elaborating, and I think his uh, the angle he brings helps because he separates the mutual funds from the new trust. He talks about and it's I'll give an example. So M fund is a money market fund mm. and the objective of that is quite different from say an EPAC mm-hmm. which is long term. It includes stocks and bonds of different combinations which is um and in fact if the government is going to give you a longer term so if I go for M fund and I'm looking for money next year <clears throat> to pay school fees <clears throat> I don't think it would be useful for me to go for the debt exchange, but if I'm on EPAC and I'm just looking for a long-term instrument, the five years is good for me. Mm-hmm. So his point is that some fund managers, particularly of the unit trusts, need to engage their trustees and by extension their shareholders before they make a decision mm-hmm. on the debt exchange. And even for the, the others, they need to talk to their board members. Who ultimately reverse yes. So... He seems to be on the same page with Richmond. Kisai is not on the same page. For me, what is very clear is that the different companies have taken different decisions because some people have had their companies engage them, some have not. And we will have to live and die with our own choices. And I feel from what you're saying, there could be legal loopholes for people to exploit. See, Significant shareholders could sue mm-hmm. their investment scheme for not informing them and accepting the tax exchange unilaterally. Yeah. Because... I mean, and I'm saying this using my reading and understanding of the decision in Donahue v. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stevenson, mm-hmm. the okay. principle that was refined in Caparo v. Dickman. Mm-hmm. If you time. combine Donahue, Donahue, <laughs> Stevenson, which basically deals with the, the neighbor principle, you should not take any decision or do anything that will harm your neighbor. The good neighbor principle, basically extracted from the biblical position: mm-hmm. love uh, your neighbor as yourself, uh-huh, love your neighbor as thyself. The, the principle was refined in the case of Kaparo v. Dickman. Kaparo versus, versus Dickman. Yeah. And what was that matter? Now, <laughs> it also dealing with whether or not a person can act on the advice provided by, say, a professional, like an accountant, and what level of relationship should be there. Um, foreseeability and all the principles of uh, harm resulting and whether it is fair and reasonable for the court to impose a duty uh, of care. And if you read that together with another case, which is Hadley Ben, mm-hmm. it is clear to me that where you, as a fund manager, decide that, oh, you are the expert, you know everything, you have read the terms of the engagement with the government, and you come to a conclusion that it is in the interest of the investor to take up this new the collective interest. Exactly, the <clears throat> collective. And then you make a decision. Which interest, which decision harms the interest of the investor or the investors? They have a right to sue you mm. because you are taking a decision for and on their behalf because you believe that it is in their interest to do so. And that decision ultimately resulted in them getting harmed. Again, where you provide information to them, and it is reasonably expected that they would act on that information, and they acted on that information to their detriment, once there is 
injury resulting out of that. My my respectful view mm. is that they are entitled to. Well, is there a local because the cases you referred to are all uh, British cases, and I know we are in the common law jurisdiction. But I'm just asking if there's a, a close. Local example. I, I'm, I'm sure that uh, I've not researched that quickly enough within the Ghanaian context, but mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are um, local, um, what do you call it? There's a local distillation of the law because, I mean, we have a common law arrangement. So, so there will be a, definitely a local version. Uh, exactly. Uh, or maybe use of the law within Ghanaian courts, uh, which would basically then incorporate them into Ghanaian law as, as, as it is. Okay. So fund managers should be very, very careful. The mm. way they proceed, otherwise, mm-hmm. they will sue them. The, the position is, is is still up in the air, mm. and it's very clear that some have opted to engage, some have decided they practically cannot. Yeah. So, what will happen has actually is happening. It's not as if like there's a week for them to be advised because the mm-hmm. the deadline is even over. Of course, it's anyway saying that deadline, the three day extension. Mm-hmm. So, so probably if you are a farm manager who feels like, look, let me shield myself, let me call an extraordinary AGM tomorrow. And say, look, there's a data thing on the table. These are the terms. This is our calculation. This is what we think we want to do. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Even if you have 2,000 fund managers, if you have 2,000 customers and only 200 show up, at least you've given them the chance to come on. Mm-hmm. The 200 will say, well, we think you should go, you shouldn't go, whatever. So, I, I don't know. And then because some have then announced that they have done that, <laughs> so, you know, so then it means that if you haven't done it, that means you, that you, you was your problem. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it is quite interesting. And I feel this is something, and because we are not in ordinary times, we are all not... There is no template. We are all just thinking as we go and making things up as we go. So I, I'm, 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 I'm open to new information. If you are listening, you are in this industry, you're a lawyer, you want to provide information, please go. So send it to me. I'll be happy to review it. I have, I have, I have not taken a definite position on the matter because I've just listened to different people, but I'm more inclined to believe what Senyo and Richmond have said because I feel they've provided a bit more evidence than what Kisei has said. If you feel that there's more information on the Kisei site that you want to offer me, please send. For, for the purpose of educating the public, mm-hmm. all right? And for the purpose of educating the public. So, uh, it's 9.14. Take a short-tish break. Uh, is there any update on Kisei Nachu? What's going on that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, since morning, all kinds of stories have been flying about mm. that, you know, nobody's heard from him now. So, I got in touch with uh, our friend in Turkey, Yagis Sabonkoglu, who says, look, club officials held or they put out the info that Achu had been rescued. So that was the info. Have they spoken to Achu? No. Now there's a caveat. He says communication in Hate is almost impossible. Yeah, yesterday your guy said it. Yes, the earthquake. It was difficult. So it's just a waiting game to see who will hear from. And he says if he gets any update. But my question is, the ma- are they confirming that he was rescued from the rubble? Yes, that, that, that's, that's what confirmed. Yes, that's so, confirmed. So, so that one, he's says, not in the rubble again. Yes, the club says. Okay, so, so, so he's in the hospital. Yes, we can safely. So, what is their problem? Yeah, you see, people want to know. People where want to know. What do they want to go and do for him? No, you see, because look, if, if, if <laughs> but you see, hold on, hold on, see. just just a second. Now, Ghana's ambassador to Turkey, mm-hmm. Francisca Ashito Odonto, she has went to several interviews this morning, and she has said that. What she knows and what her outfit knows is that one Christian Achu has been, or he was found. He was sent to the found hospital. Found alive. Found alive. He was sent to the hospital. Now they are trying to find the hospital. Yeah, but that's a secondary matter. Uh-huh. So why so, are they making a big deal? <laughs> the guy is alive in the hospital. Also, uh, it's 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 easy, so it's just like Thomas. People are doubting. <laughs> no, so yes, you say this Have is a uh, so No, but the man is not a corpse. He's an alive person. No, no, so yes, you want to be sure that... Yeah, someone is But they are saying that the guy is injured. Yeah. And he's been treated. 
or they want a photo of no, him to circulate. On that note, they want some. There's been no. Has there been any official statement released either from the club? The no, the club. No. The club has after has they after, after they told journalists that they had found a true on right. which was Monday dawn our time. Mm-hmm. They haven't said anything. They haven't issued anything again. I think Tuesday dawn. You know, I think it was my yes, yes, it was. Yeah, but so, so, but so the position is that Achu has been rescued from the rubble, that's and he's in a hospital. That's yes, that's what yeah, we that's know. True, but that should that's suffice what, for now. Should uh-huh. suffice. You should. The risk is also that if you don't have proof, as you were saying, habeas corpus. <laughs> Produce the body of the person. <laughs> why, so that, no, but, why, why do you bring my body? My is in the hospital. It is that his privacy. Or, or so maybe an official written statement. You are in an emergency. Exactly. You are in an emergency situation uh-huh. with communication at like ten percent. Yes. Buildings have collapsed, including hospitals. Uh-huh. Now, once the the club has confirmed that he's been rescued and he's alive mm-hmm. and he's he's been some hospital. But, but Bernard, how did the club confirm? They said they, they spoke to they the spoke to people. Yes, the club. So they, uh-huh, they so, so the club shared to some people. Yes, the club shared their info. Mm-hmm. Okay, now uh-huh. I'm going to read. I'm going to read yeah. Yagi Sabunkoglu's tweet as as he and puts out. Uh-huh. He's the journalist we spoke to yesterday. Okay, what's he saying? Now he says info dash at you. Since yesterday, we have not been able to reach anyone from Hatai Sport. That's the club. Mm-hmm. There are serious problems with telephone operators in the earthquake. Now, pardon his English. Yes. Like uh, Again, I read as I see. Mm-hmm. Hatai Sport Board shared with the press the info that he was rescued yesterday mm-hmm. and did not make any updates after that. Yeah, so he was rescued yesterday. So we just okay. leave it like that so, and continue so my, the praying. Yeah, so my question is have they did the, has the club issued a written statement no the club effect? hasn't said anything because they haven't after that because there's no written statement presumably the situation is a very it's fluid yes so you can't it's, it's like it's not like he's taking to call we'll go to call and check that he's there yeah, no but no but even a statement saying yeah, but, that we, blah, blah 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 has been found da, 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 no but, like so, but so, okay, are you saying the hospital so what is the basis of us saying Atua has been rescued is it not the club Yes, the, yes. Guy, the guy saying he spoke no, to someone. No, the, but the club says Atu has been rescued. They told the guy. He says the, he spoke I'm to re- someone there. Yes, and his tweet says, Hate Sport Board shared with the press the info that he was rescued. Yes, yesterday. so that's the point. So the board of the club has told the media that the guy has been rescued. People here want to see something concrete. But they are, but you, know us, you know how we are. I, I, I get it, but he's saying that communication is nigh on impossible in tech. Got it. What about the family? We're hearing that um, his, 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 you know, does he have any siblings who live with him there? No, no. he's from. He has family here, and that and, his wife and, and children a, are he has in, some the siblings in the UK. What so, I heard, the last I heard, but if Hatayspor cannot have contact with him, how will somebody in the UK have contact with him? Maybe Hatayspor has had contact with his family. Do we just tell them the same thing they know? So Hatayspor will be the, the closest person. I mean, the person in the middle of the whole thing is the club. Yes, but the club says the guy has been rescued in his hospital. Mm-hmm. Everybody else doesn't matter in this case because everybody else is far away. You see, no, no, Bernard. Yeah, you see, that d- that see, yes. the, the point is that Achu comes from a family. Yes. He yes. comes from a country. Yes. Mm-hmm. So anything happening to him, family will be interested. First of all, yeah. citizens of uh, the country he belongs to will be yeah. interested. Of course, you know, the, the team that he, he mm-hmm. plays for, they will be interested. Former teams will be interested. Yeah. Now, what people want is, you know, there's an emergency. Yes, it is possible that he was taken and sent to hospital, as we are told. Mm-hmm. But the question is with hospital, because what happens is, when something like that happens, car accidents happen, you I, first I, of all I, hear, I, I yes, he was rescued mm-hmm. from the scene of the accident. But which hospital was it yeah. taken Even to? Even for because, his wife to be aware. Exactly, because you want to go okay. But his wife has, has, has come to tell that she doesn't know where he is. No, but... <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't see people's problem. It's like, 
it, for me, what I see is that people are sort of trying to throw doubt in the story. No, no, people are just concerned. And I'm think. saying that so long as the club has not changed their position, the club hasn't come out with the new information. The journalist is just saying that since the time he spoke, he hasn't had any new information on Achu. Yes. That's okay. But the position, the fundamental position that the club put out, the board of the club put out that Achu has been rescued, has not changed. Yeah, but people so I don't think it's a big deal. People want to see. No, I just feel that I feel that you see our appetite for news should also be guided by the existence of the situation at hand. Yeah, Eight thousand people dying is crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy yeah. Having buildings collapse on their own, I mean to even be able to speak to the journalist yesterday was a miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people should also be measured in their expectations like everyday update. Mm-hmm. No. And if I'm a doctor working in a hospital which is like a makeshift place, mm-hmm. my first objective is not to be telling people what is going on. It's to make sure the person is alive. And I'm not, going to, I'm not going to leave my work and I'll be telling you that, oh, by the way, Atu is now briefing. It's new. No, we can't do that. Uh, no, you, you see, so yeah, allow no. the process to go on and let's just continue our prayer for the it's, guy. It's, That's the, all. it's the age but we're in. But we should also allow people. Oh, we won't allow people. It's the age it. we're in, yeah. It's, I mean, people are curious. Yeah, yeah, they want to know. They are not even concerned. They, 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 they are just curious. They just want to tweet something. Master, take oh, a break. Oh. They just want the Peter to tweet. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. Unleashing the power of relevant radio. This is City 97.3. I'm coming home, baby. Just hold on. Alright, so 25 minutes past 9. Uh, I'm going to read some announcements, but I just wanted to make a quick clarification. So in my in my discussion with um, uh, Kisei, I, I use the M fund as a money market fund, but actually I'm told that um, the M fund is no longer a money market fund. Shareholders approved and changed it, so it's actually long term and objective. Okay. So the I, I could have used a different um, maybe the fixed income fund for EDC is the problem. The example I should have used, not the M fund. So the M fund is now more long-term in outlook so it does not fit into the description but the point i was making in the in the interview was basically that if the um investment objective is long-term the debt exchange may not be inimical but if the investment objective is short-term the debt exchange is inimical so i was of course the m fund for many years was the um, poster boy for a short-term fund, but it's changed. So that that correction I need to make. Okay. But I still I think the point still stands that for money market funds, for money market funds, the short-term outlook generally means that the the, the debt exchange will not be favorable to them in the terms that we're giving. But for longer-term funds, they 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 actually do not have a fundamental change in structure with the DDEP. So I think that point is to be made. So that, that's just for those who are on, on uh, M fund who may think I'm misrepresenting the position of the fund. Um, we were talking about HIV shortly. I just wanted mm-hmm. to see if there are a couple of announcements to make first. And yes, there are. <coughs> yeah. All right. Now, if you're planning your next adventure, remember, it's not just the destination. It's how you get there. One of the best bits about holidays is the food. So wouldn't it be great if you could get a taste of your destination before you even arrive? Yes, guy. I know, right? Mm-hmm. On Emirates, you can dine on gourmet meals 
meals inspired by regional cuisine. And what better way to toast the start of your holiday than with your choice of free-flowing drinks? Mm. And of course, you can expect world-class service along every step of your journey from Emirates award-winning cabin crew. Mm. So wherever you decide to fly, fly better on Emirates. You get so much more in Emirates economy. Find out more at Emirates.com. When you fit in Emirates, mm. it's, <laughs> it's like a party. Like <laughs> <laughs> and you know there are levels. Oh darling. my word! <laughs> Well, Bet365 is now officially live in Ghana. So if you love your sports, what better way to get a piece of the action than joining? Mm. Bet across a range of markets on the biggest sports. You can build your own personalized bet with Bet Builder. Mm-hmm. Enjoy all your favorite sporting events and access thousands of games with live, live streaming. And place your bets before the match kicks off. Or you can even try in-play betting during the live game. Remember, Bet365 also lets you cash out your bet early on selected markets. Sounds good, right? Well, visit the official site at bet365.com.gh and join. Now, this is for over 18s only. Mm. Please gamble responsibly. All right, all right, all right. And according to the World Bank, Ghana is faced with 12% youth unemployment and more than 50% underemployment. In addition, observers generally agree that Ghana's youth are ill-prepared for the world of work and only 38 out of 100 school children transition to the next level of the academic calendar or academic ladder. Will you sit unconcerned or contribute to solve the problem? Your donation of only one Ghana CD a day will support Lead Africa International to train underserved school children for free. Donate to 0549-274-728 or on Chango yay, at Lead Africa International. Together, we can change the future of Ghana one student at a time. Mm, mm. And how important is your health to you, very, Bernardino, very, Sky, very, very, very. very, right? Well, visit Vic Dank Healthcare. It's a Ghana Health Service certified healthcare center. They specialize in kidney stones, hepatomegaly, hypertension, fatty liver treatment, and others. Uh, Vic Dank Healthcare specializes in using 100% natural medicine in all treatment. You can visit them on the Spintex Road behind the Standard Chartered Bank. You can also reach Vic Dank on 0549 all right, 929. Let's read a few quick comments for you before we get into our next conversation. I think we do as well, yeah. yeah. Team City, I called my investment specifically, Data Bank, on sending a letter telling them to exempt me from the DDE. My relationship manager told me it's not possible, and the only option, if I want to be exempted, is to exit the fund and suffer the haircut. Mm. Please, is this right? Mm. Sky, on the basis of returns, CIS doesn't guarantee returns, so you can't even use that as an argument. Mm -hmm. One can only argue if the underlying assets of the fund are changing significantly. However, in this case, we're swapping bonds, which are underlying assets. It's just like the fund manager just selling one bond to purchase another, which is the regular duty or task performed by the fund manager on a daily basis without recourse to the client or shareholder of the CIS. So mm-hmm. he's basically saying you can't do anything. Your fund manager has to act on your behalf. Okay. Mm-hmm. Justice says, hi, Ben and Richard. Interesting discourse you're having with respect to the CIS. Unless your CIS guaranteed a fixed return, my view would be that they needn't inform investors. The fund managers have a responsibility to invest the funds in good faith for investors. When an investor thinks his investment is not yielding the needed return, you have the the option 
to opt out. Okay. Um, akin to what's happening with holding shares in an entity, you're exposed to gains and losses. Okay. So he's sharing a similar view, basically, mm-hmm. to the previous poster. Hmm. Bernard, my view is this. The CIS only needs the trustees to approve the decision for the DDE. The contract between investors and fund managers doesn't include where their monies will be invested, nor does it guarantee fixed returns. Okay. So this person is also saying something Same similar. Mm-hmm. Al-Hassan Musa um, said that. Bernard, perhaps we have all overlooked the decision by the president that foregoing the salaries and emoluments of the cabinet and others or reducing it, you should say, by 30% is an alternative for saving costs to the state. We will applaud them if they raise it to 35 or 40%. This is a mm. novel add of new should raise more of how much they are cutting. Okay. Uh, it's fascinating, you know, that my investment bank hasn't gotten to me on this DDEP. Meanwhile, my funds are with them. Hmm. Okay. I've called my investment... Okay, this is a... Um, we've, we've seen that yeah, already. We read that earlier. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So cool, 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 cool. So what this space... Um, very, very interesting times indeed. Uh, let's talk about something completely different but also equally important. Um, I'm sure I know every, every Wednesday we talk about HIV AIDS. Mm-hmm. And this morning, <coughs> we're looking at something called demand creation for viral load testing. Yeah, so we'll find out what we mean by viral load testing in HIV management, who is able to be tested, and uh, when is this test performed, and how often should this be done in a year, and whether we have facilities to test the viral load. Now, these are a series of interviews to throw more light on HIV AIDS, mm-hmm. and for this morning's conversations on the viral load testing, uh, we have Seth Echampong, who's, sorry, Seth Ajiman, who's the Deputy Chief Biomedical Scientist. E. Charlie, the guy with big man at the Kolebuti. So the, you mean the whole Kolebuti hospital? All the biomedical scientists, no, you are their second or guard at the top. No, they are, they are different deputy chiefs. But so I'm a deputy chief in immunology. So. And so you are a deputy chief, but you yes. are for immunology. Immunology, yes. So it means that Kolebuti is a chief biomedical scientist. Yeah, we have a lot of chiefs. Oh, it's not one. It's on the specialty. So what are the specialties? So we have immunology, chemical pathology, microbiology, then... Um, um, hematology. Hey, what is immunology? So immunology, we look at the immune system. How does the immune system respond to infections? And how does the immune system also respond to drugs and treatment? And that is where HIV comes in. So and what is chemical pathology? So chemical pathology, the chemistry of the organs. So when there's a damage, how does the oh. organ respond by producing certain chemicals? We measure them to see whether mm-hmm. you are producing something more, you are producing something less. That will mm-hmm. tell you the function of the organ okay. or the toxicity of the drugs you are taking. For the organ, so like yes. for kidney, for lung, for kidney, liver, for liver. So hematology is blood, right? Hematology is blood, blood and blood function. Um, the pathology parts is like the blood diseases, the blood cancers. Then we are able to also do screening to detect infections in other, in other, wow. yeah. So you guys are the scientists who give tools for medical practice. So basically without you guys, We'll just be guessing. Basically, we'll just be doing empirical medicine. Where well, a doctor will look at you and say, okay, go and take para two days. If it doesn't work, come again, I'll change it. You know. But with advent of um, technology, we're able to tell directly what is wrong with you. Science is able to tell what medicine you should even take. You know, outside world, they can profile you and say that when this person takes para, it won't work. Mm-hmm. You have to take a pack. You know. So, I mean, science is evolving. I think Ghana wow. is getting there slowly. So... We are talking about viral load testing in HIV management. 
it sounds like some wild thing. <laughs> what is it? what is that? Okay, so uh, HIV is a virus that really affects um, humans and other primates. Now, when it's in your system, it multiplies, so it needs to get more people, more more siblings to mm-hmm. grow and also infect more cells. Mm-hmm. Now, the treatment previously we look mm-hmm. at your immune system, what we call CD4 count. Mm-hmm. The virus actually destroys your CD4 count, so we want to check how many CD4 counts you have. That we use that one to determine the medicine you should take. The mm-hmm. has moved from CD4 count to viral load, where we want to count the viruses in your blood mm-hmm. to actually tell whether the drug you are taking is working or not. So mm-hmm. if you test positive, we check your viral load. If mm-hmm. it's so high, there's a different treatment. If it's so low, there's a different treatment. Then we also have the viral load testing is able to tell us whether you have cleared the viruses to the minimum level that we call it um, you are now in target not detected, or we say you are suppressed. Mm-hmm. So the virus is suppressed in your system. It is only the virus that can tell the story. Then you will know that, oh, my medicine is working. If you, your virus is still high, virus can tell that it's still high, it means that you are not taking your medication well, or your system is not responding to the medicine, then they can change. So virus testing is just to count the viruses using specific um, laboratory mm. um, technologies called real-time PCR. I Just see. like the same PCR we use for our, um, the COVID testing and the mm-hmm. rest, we use the same I see. Um, technology too. So who is eligible to be tested? Anyone who has tested positive for HIV. So all from right. the Global Fund um, target, 1990, means that 90% of all those who get tested should be enrolled onto treatment. Mm-hmm. Then after six months, we want 90% to show suppression, less than 1,000. Mm-hmm. Ghana has now reduced our to like 50. So anyone who has tested positive with or without treatment is eligible to violate testing. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, when exactly is the test performed and how often should it be done in, let's say, a year? Okay, so um, when you test positive, other clinicians will want to do the test before you even start treatment. Mm-hmm. So for now, when you test positive, then they will start treatment and we can take your blood for value testing. But every six months, you should have at least one test. Mm-hmm. Some individuals, they do one test every year, which is not good. But at least every six months, you should have done one test to really tell whether the medicine you are taking is working or not. So okay. every six months, others will do it like every three months. Mm-hmm. But for the guidelines, minimum once every six months. Okay. And obviously, we have the facilities to do this. Um, so where is this done? Okay. So Ghana has... So for the HIV testing we, we view Ghana as having just t- 10 regions. So nine regions have this testing facility apart from, I think, Upper East or Upper West, but it will be sorted out soon. Okay. Um, Greater Accra region, Sunyane, has the biggest testing platforms. Mm-hmm. So last year, these two regions received the biggest machines. We call them Coba 6800. That can do wow. about 1,000 to 2,000 tests a day. Mm-hmm. So we have capacity. Ghana has capacity to test any samples. As I speak, sometimes our lab, sometimes we run out of samples. Then we are waiting for more samples to come for us to run tests. Previously, we used to struggle because we are using lower machines, but now we have two big machines. Then Kofrodia Kumase has the second biggest machines so that they can also support and run a lot of us. So, almost all the regions now, a region that doesn't have a viral load machine, can send samples to another region that has a machine. Okay. Then we also have a very good system where we do, if one region is down, um, due to maybe <coughs> technical failure or they have a lot of samples, they can send their samples to another region mm. and another region. So we have the capacity to test. Regions are given through the Global Fund to NACP, Ghana's Commission. So right. it's, it's free. So right. we just go to the hospital, they care of blood. 
you don't even send the blood to the lab yourself. The hospital will transfer the blood to For the you. lab. Then we do the test, it's entered to the system, and your doctor sees your results. Sounds very efficient. Okay. Mm-hmm. How can people living with HIV be encouraged to submit themselves to this test on time? You were saying some people don't yeah. come at the six-month mm-hmm. mark. So yes. how can you encourage so, them to test? See, um, the, the HIV treatment can sometimes be very challenging because the medicine can also be a bit uncomfortable. Now, the, the, the best encouragement to somebody taking the medication is to see that the medication is actually reducing the viral load. Right. So you started your viral, your viral treatment to maybe 100,000 copies per mil, and within six months, it's 50,000. Then you know that it's doing something. Then you're encouraged, okay, let me keep taking it. Right. Because the less viruses you have, the less effect you could have, then your immune system can bounce back and you can live a normal life. Mm-hmm. Let me put it that those who with, with even high viral load, they can live a normal life if they are taking their medication, especially when we know that the medication is not working. We have different options. We can move from one um, line to or the second line or the third line or the fourth line. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, piggybacking off of that, how do you routinely monitor or prompt for those tests? So... Almost all hospitals have tracking systems. So they have what they call the refilling. So you are giving your drugs for three months. When you are coming for more drugs for the next three months, then we could do your viral testing. We also have community groups. I mean, groups of people who have HIV, they know that oh, our group, we're going to do our test at this time. So even if you forget, somebody reminds you that hey, we have to go to like a support the group. clinic, like a support group. The hospital also has... This psychosocial support where they also have teams where they keep reminding them to come for their refill. But patients are really advised that don't miss your treatment, don't miss your drug, don't miss your lab test. That could tell us that you are doing well or you are not doing well, that we could swap or, or, or change. Okay. So what's the impact of viral load testing in the mm-hmm. life of a person living with HIV? To be frank, I'm, I keep wondering if there was no viral load hmm. testing, especially now, what most people could have done. Because mm-hmm. um, HIV positive does not mean life ends. You mm-hmm. still need to have life. People have to marry and give birth to children. Now, the higher your viral load, the risk of you transmitting it to the next person, right. either mm-hmm. to your unborn child or your born child or your partner. Mm-hmm. Now, viral load testing has given us a bit of comfort that when your virus is very low, then your risk of transmission is very low. Mm-hmm. For instance, those days that we didn't know viral load, I mean, surgeons were just doing surgeries on HIV patients mm-hmm. to save their lives, and they could be at risk. But now, when you get pregnant and we have to do CS, they make sure that they suppress your virus to mm-hmm. the lowest limit so that those performing the surgery on you will be very confident that even if you have a cut, right. the possibility of me getting the virus is low. So viral load testing has been a game changer. Mm-hmm. Not the absolute, but um, for instance, we are hoping that we get to a stage where we have what we call resistant testing. Some mm-hmm. people, their viruses resist. Let me put it here that HIV in me is different from the HIV in you mm-hmm. because the HIV will use my system to make babies. Mm-hmm. So they are different. So they might not respond <clears throat> to the same medicine both of us are taking. Then that's the stage where we are getting to where we can actually tell if you do your viral load and it's not going down, we can find out whether you are resistant to the medicine or not that we can change your medicine. Mm-hmm. Then all of us can have free life. We're still talking HIV AIDS on this segment. Brought to you by the Ghana's Commission. Our guest is the Deputy Chief Biomedical Scientist at Kolebu Teaching Hospital, Setajiman, on demand creation for viral load testing. Basically, getting people to understand what it means, why it's important for people with HIV to know 
about their viral load and the availability of facilities to do this test. So, uh, to end, <clears throat> what are the concerns shared by people living with HIV AIDS and clinicians on the viral load testing? Well, um, until the past one year or so, I'm um, getting HIV viral load testing was a bit difficult mm-hmm. because of transport system and <clears throat> um, results getting back to mm-hmm. facilities. For instance, maybe four or five years ago, we had to print results and hospitals have to send riders to come for the hard copies. Mm-hmm. It goes back and all that. Currently, we are hooked on to what we call the e-tracker system where somebody sits in a hospital far away in Accra, some village, enters the data into the database, send the samples to us, we finish the test after a click, the results goes to them. So now it is very easy. Um, probably the other concerns could be the stigma attached to HIV. Anytime I get a chance to speak, I want to talk about So most people who have HIV think that people stigmatize them. It's the way they see people seeing them. For instance, if you are here talking and an HIV patient enters and we stop talking, the person thinks we're talking about him or mm-hmm. her. And I think that is what is really hindering this fight to end HIV. We should have ended HIV long ago. Mm. The WHO says 2030. I'm wondering whether we need mm. to do that. Mm. But um, um, I think HIV fight has been successful. Ghana can do can do more with with a few professionals, and it's difficult to get people to volunteer to work on HIV. So mm. that is also one of the big challenges. Previously, when you work on HIV in the hospital, we think, oh, you get incentives, they bring you staff, but now that thing doesn't happen again. It's more of professionalism, sacrifice, and love for, for humanity and, and for, for God and country. Thank you for talking to us. We appreciate the insights. Keep up the good work, Seth Adjeman, Deputy Chief Biomedical Scientist at Kolebutijan Hospital, and this segment is brought to you by the Ghana AIDS Commission. <laughs> This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag CityCBS. Cause it will soon come You'll soon lose track of which way 
is up when you're always being put down. Being put down. But you gotta be strong and do what you feel in your heart, regardless of who's around. Regardless of who's around. I know it might seem bold, but that's all we have. All we have. Many centuries and we're steady getting. Oh, clutching on to what we never had. So, how can we work it out on that day when it's time to share the gold at the end of the rainbow? How, how can we work it out when good and evil? How can the day kisses be? Cause it will soon come. How can we work it out on that day when it's time to share the gold at the Ten minutes to ten, City Breakfast Show Wednesday. It's the eighth of February. More people are sending comments on the uh, main topic for the day we're discussing. Uh, we haven't really spent time on the reshuffle, if we can call it that. And uh, <laughs> you know, Nathan's favorite favorite journalist for the season has come out with another master headline, and he says, "Akufado fills potholes, mm-hmm. runs from Minister reshuffle for failure to show that Amakuba not impressed." And like Dobe will just, <laughs> and he says, "Let me just read a few paragraphs just for." The much-anticipated ministerial reshuffle turned out to be a fiasco, with the president opting to fill in vacant positions in government as a result of four ministers of state who have all resigned to either pursue their personal ambitions or ill health or over scandal. <laughs> no, but that's true. Like you have um, yeah, that's true. That's true. the yeah. trade minister resigned to pursue his personal ambition. Yes. I believe the Greek minister has resigned. Yes. Or if it's on his way out. Uh, the Minister of State for Finance was sacked, so he's been replaced. And then the who, who else has Chieftaincy Minister? Chieftaincy Minister resigned for yeah. ill health. Well, so they all resigned. Yeah, yeah. No, the other one didn't. Well, he was not sacked. He was he resigned. Who? Uh, the, the Charles Finance. Yeah. Oh, Charles Edubuyen. Yes. Okay, technically yes. He resigned. He, he was not fired. Are you sure? Yeah, he wasn't fired. I mean, no, no, check. No, no, no. There was a, yeah, there was a statement that came out. He was, he was fired. Yes. yes, he has been fired. Hold yes. on a second. So he, he put out, I, I think, he, yeah, he was sacked. Oh, I think he resigned. He was sacked. I think we, we can check. We can check that. Anyhow, so there are four new. Uh, I, I don't know if they are new. Yes, his appointment was terminated. He was, yes, he was sacked. Oh, really? He was sacked. He was sacked. So there are four. What am I doing? Forgive me. Okay, so they are, they are, I don't know if they are new faces, honestly, because um, Katie Hammond is the most high profile. Trade minister is a big position. Mm-hmm. Katie Hammond is not okay. a new... Yeah, Katie Hammond okay. and Avoka are possibly the two longest-serving MPs in parliament now. But even Avoka Collins Dauda is also in there. But Avoka had went and came. Mrs. Yes, uh, but uh, Collins Dauda and Katie have been in parliament since 2000 and uh, 2005. 2005? Yeah. Mm. So like by the time two thousand and five, so like twenty years, so two thousand and five yeah. to twenty twenty four yeah. ending. Two thousand and five, I think. So that's five ten. I think honorable yeah. Muntaka. No, no honorable Muntaka was also two thousand and one. Katie entered parliament in two thousand and one. I see. Together with the yeah, so two thousand and one parliament, two thousand and five parliament, two thousand and nine nine parliament. Mm-hmm. 
I am saying that president has the right to choose who he wants to work with at whatever time. And you can't make. But we also have a right to no, no, no. But you can't say it's unfair. We have twenty-four. How many million eligible people in Ghana? So what is unfair? Was it promised? Was it written letter to say what is unfair about giving somebody another position? To the best of my knowledge, to the best of my knowledge, there was a promise made. The promise was not honoured. I hear you. But, but hasn't the president ultimately honoured that are private? No, Sky. What I'm saying is that you see, you can't hold on to, you can't take it to the market. That's the problem. You can't take that promise. It's not like we are saying you you did this job and the reward for this job is openly known. These things are done. Look, there are maybe three people were doing different things for the person. You could have spoken to them eventually. I'll sort you out. But the thing is not practically like that. And there are mixtures and things. You have to have like regional balance and things. So, like, to make the whole thing seem like too much, Bernard, you see, I disagree with you on this matter because when you look like at argument. the profile of ministers who were named in the first Nanado government, like argument. <laughs> you cannot tell me that of all the ministers' names, guy. The Honorable Katie Hammond. Pascal, I am saying that. And in the yeah, second administration. every government, yes. there are more competent people who are never appointed. Look, oh, let's go to the Kufu administration. Oh, no, I don't have time yeah, for that. Make, so that I'll give you context I'll, 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 I'll give you a platform to explain. Let me do my, <laughs> let me pay my bills. Because clearly you came armed. You armed yourself and came, so I don't have a defense. Now, Nathan, if you're, if you're traveling, uh, wherever you're traveling, outside Ghana, mm. Emirates will give you something very interesting for their uh, economy. Right, so it's not just about the destination, it's about the food, it's about the drinks, it's about the the treatment, the toasting and the roasting. <laughs> Free flowing drinks, mm-hmm. regional cuisine, world class uh, service, and this is economy. This is a community class. <laughs> so imagine the higher class. Uh-huh. You know, so I know you want to travel one of these days. No, you travel. So yeah. So go to Emirates.com. No problem. No problem. Love to. Oh yeah. I'm just putting money together. Oh Charlie, go happy. Charlie Emirates. Go happy. Emirates, you know what to do. Emirates, you know what to do. You know what to do for us. Don't bring this. Just organize something. So that the LDM will have this. Exactly. Organize them even better. Yeah, they, they, you know, they hope you have the next one. Yeah, you know, they hope you have the next one. Yeah, you know, they hope you have the next one. Yeah, you know, they hope you the next one. Yeah, you know, they hope you have the next one.